0: Gentlemen and everybody listening, welcome to the end of the regular season here on the Diamond Duo podcast. My name is Tom Bauer. He is Tony Puglisi. And we are the Diamond Duo, bringing you all around Major League Baseball in the past crazy week that has transpired. What will occur in the playoffs shortly to come, and plenty more. Brought to you by two people who wish not to see the Yankees play a tiebreaker game against the Blue Jays, the Mariners, or the Red Sox. Well, ladies and gentlemen, everybody listening, thank you for tuning in to the fifth episode of the Diamond Duo podcast, and. We can't even believe it. We're at the end of the regular season already. Although if you looked at the calendar and saw it was October 3rd, you'd probably believe it a little bit more than I do right now. But again, my name is Tom Bauer. Tony Puglisi will bring himself on in a minute. And Tony, we've got a pretty much jam-packed show going on this afternoon. By the way, it's Sunday, October 3rd when we're recording. Part one, because there is playoff baseball that should have already, st- or it's actually going to start in about 20 minutes from now. Um, of when we started, and then we will be doing our playoff section of the show later tonight. But it's an interesting day in baseball, wouldn't you say? Interesting, I
1: think, would be putting it lightly, Tom. This, if you ask me, this is one of my favorite times of the year. You know, end of the baseball regular season, you get teams just vying to get in there, and you ask me, this is one of the best last-minute playoff races I've ever got to see in my life. I mean, the only other year I could possibly comp this to is 2011 when the Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, and Orioles all played a hand in making the Red Sox or handing the Red Sox another disappointing season where they missed the playoffs, which, you know, I can't poke fun too much. They won the World Series two years later, but you know what I mean. This is a fantastic playoff race that we're all damn lucky to get the chance to be able to watch and to celebrate the madness of the end of the regular season, like Tom said, we're going to be splitting this recording session into two little halves uh, so that we will be able to more accurately talk about the postseason. Obviously, we will cross that bridge when we get to it, uh, but we can't do that now because there's still games that need to be played. Most of them are starting this afternoon at 3. We sat down to record here at about 2.30 here on Sunday, October 3rd, Uh, but yeah, no, we got a jam-packed show, we got a damn exciting show, we're going to look back at the last full month of the regular season that was, and look forward to probably the most exciting month in Major League Baseball that lies before us.
0: Absolutely, this postseason will be, of course, fun as usual, probably going to bring a lot of disappointment to me and Tony as Yankee fans, because they're teeter-tottering, On the playoffs right now, again, we don't know if they're—well, they will at least play a game 163, and hopefully um, not to be a Debbie Downer on those people hoping that there's going to be a four-way tiebreaker. I really hope there's not a four-way tiebreaker because that just means the Yankees will probably <laughs> lose. And even if they just play even a, one, a game 163, they're still probably going to lose that, and then they're still probably going to lose in the wild card game. But we'll get to predictions later once the results are final. Real quickly, before we get into all of the good content um, that awaits, we are. Ah, oh, me. I'm looking at the rundown and there's old shit that I was going to say. Um, I'm, I'm just going to plug our handles on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, we are at The Diamond Duo Podcast. Go follow us there. Give us some likes on our first graphic that we actually posted. Big round of applause for Tony and I for actually uh, doing our first graphic on social <laughs> media. That was also uploaded to Twitter, at Diamond Duo Pod. You can follow us there. Give us some likes there, too. Um, I think currently Instagram is leading the um, follower train, like, 48 to 16 or something like that. So uh, we can definitely use the boost. Oh, Jesus. Tony, I listen, I've been—oh, I've. Oh, my— God. I worked a 14-hour day yesterday in the city where I work, so I'm—listen, you are you were having trouble forming sentences like when we were just talking before the show. I'm having trouble now as we're trying to get the show underway. It's just going to be a long afternoon for Tom, I feel like.
1: it. It may be, but we have the soft cushion of playoff baseball to placate that a little bit, at least— At least, God, I hope so, because like you said, we are off to the greatest foot starting recording this afternoon.
0: Yes, we are. in Discord, by the the way, that's how we are kind of talking to each other right now, is absolutely 100% not f***ing up on us at all in the slightest. I can see Tony perfectly clear one pixel at a time because it's just lagging so much. I was a little sarcasm. But anyway, before I stop not making good sentences, that was one of those times. Uh, I'm hoping to get all the stupid juice, as Tony put it, out of the way before we get (laughs) into our first segment, which is called Around the Horn, and we're going to jump into that right now. Again, 30-second focus on each team around the MLB, how they fared over the previous year, because it's the end of the regular season. That also means it'll be the last edition of Around the Horn for the time to come, because obviously there's not going to be 30 teams playing anymore, so we don't need to do Around the Horn that much. Um, Order is randomized as usual, so stay tuned to hear your favorite team. Tony, let's go Around the Horn.
1: One last time, let's go Around the Horn. And quite fitting it is, I believe. I don't know why I said that like Yoda, but I think it's quite fitting that we start with one of the teams stuck in the midst of this four-man playoff race, and that being the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, like I said, they are caught in one of the greatest AL wildcard chases I've ever seen, and today will decide their fate, whether they go to the playoffs or not. We will get to that later. But on the whole, the Blue Jays, to say they had a great year, I think would be selling it short. They had huge steps forward by their young talent. I'm thinking Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette. Their one-year deal with Robbie Ray has paid off in spades. If he's not back next year, they're insane. They just need more consistency early in the year from guys like Lourdes Gurriel and Kevin Biggio and pretty much the entire bullpen, because let's be fair, their early-year struggles kind of cost them. I think that'd be squarely in the wild card by now if they hadn't stumbled in the beginning. But honestly, they fix those problems, and they will be a force Next year, I'm thinking enough to compete with the Rays. All right, that was a fun and interesting team. Let's talk about a team that I could probably copy-paste my final thoughts on from the past, I don't know, what, seven, eight years? The LA Angels. Now, they floundered miserably against the Rangers this week, only to act as spoiler supreme to the Mariners, at least holding them off from the wild card by one game so far. We'll see where that goes. But other than that, they're the Angels. They're running in the same damn circles that they always do. You know, they underperform thanks to shitty pitching, hence wasting a year from a generational talent. Good job, Angels. Now, i they'll probably end up doing the same thing next year. I don't even know how to go forward because everything you need to do to fix them is a deep, clean move, so to speak. You know, revamp the entire pitching staff. Start treating minor leaguers with some dignity get a new owner. The Angels, high key, maybe one of the most, maybe the most screwed team in all of baseball. Actually, wait. Wait. That might be my next team in the Colorado Rockies. Because, yeah, they won some meaningless games this week against the Nationals and the D-backs. Good for you. You almost finished with the same record as the Padres somehow. But other than that, you're still a poverty franchise who traded away their star player, in a very backhanded way for literally nothing. They had good years by C.J. Crone, and even though he was underwhelming, Trevor Story is still Trevor Story, who's definitely gone next year, by the way. They have some underrated pitching pieces, but y- you guys have no hope. I'm sorry, Rockies fans. You Just pray guys like Zach Veen can elevate you someday, because even if all the pieces click come next year, you're still going to have three or at least two and a half teams that are better than you in that division. And naming Bill Schmidt as the permanent GM is a good sign, but it's not, it's going to take a village to write this ship.
0: M.I.A. That usually stands for missing in action. While good baseball has been missing in action in the other M.I.A., Miami, all year long. However, they're not really, oh, Jesus Christ, that was a voice crack and a half, and I didn't know what I was going to say for a second. Good baseball's been missing in Miami all year long. They've been hugging the bottom of the National East State, Oh, my f-ing God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. They've been hugging the bottom of the National League East standings nearly all season long. But, of course, as usual with Miami, we can say the future is bright there. They've got Jesus Lizardo, who they gave up in probably what was a steal for them when they traded Starling Marte back at the trade deadline. That felt like 10 months ago, but it was, in reality, about two months ago. And, of course, they've got brighter days because Derek Jeter will actually be in charge of their offseason moves this season he said it's going to be the first time he's gotten to do that since the ownership changed over to his group so you know what Miami maybe you'll get a little bit of that New York 1990s luck maybe it'll rub off on you pretty soon most likely not because you're still Miami and you can't attract a fan base for the life of you but you know what I'll give all the credit to you. Hopefully happy times ahead for Miami. And hopefully not happy times ahead of one of my least favorite teams in baseball, the Houston Astros. Of course, they will be making the postseason as they won the American League West a little bit later in the season than most people thought they would have won it because of Steve steep competition from the Oakland A's who have since fallen off and the Seattle Mariners. But Dusty Baker and company will be looking to do damage again in the postseason like they have been doing in the past couple of postseasons in the past. So Houston's primed to play the Chicago White Sox in the ALDS and well, you're going to have to wait to tune in to see what my prediction of what that's going to be later on in the show. Now, one more National League East team to round off the top 3 teams in my edition of around the horn and that's going to be the atl atlanta baby the braves who mounted a six game winning streak just recently starting on no november jesus christ on september 24th all the way through september 30th beating the padres and then the Phillies, they swept both teams. Or well, Actually, they didn't sweep the Padres, but they won 3-1. But they swept the Phillies, and you can thank their th- big three starting pitchers, Ian Anderson, Max Fried, whose name you'll probably hear later in the show, by the way, and Charlie Morton for getting them to the postseason. If they didn't sweep the Phillies, they might not be in the postseason right now, but I believe it's their fourth straight division title. Congratulations to Atlanta. You probably won't go far in the postseason like normal.
1: You know what, Tom? Let's talk more about those Phillies, because that just happens to be my next team. Like Tom said, they had a chance to make a last-minute push for the postseason, but they dropped the ball thanks to a sweep at the hands of, who else, but the Atlanta Braves. Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper could only take them so far, as it is yet another year of underperforming for the Phils. However, you finished above 500 this year! Good job, Philadelphia. You finally bought your way to a winning record. In all seriousness, your lineup looks dynamite for next year. Find some damn bullpen help, for the love of God, so your fans don't have another stroke every time you trot out Hector Neris or Ian Kennedy out there to close games. Please do yourselves a favor. You're lucky that Dave Dombrowski is your GM. The longer he goes into a tenure, the more likely it is you're going to see success. I mean, look at the Red Sox. Look at the Tigers. You should be good to go forward. Just sure up that depth and hope that Joe Girardi does not intimidate any other prospective Hall of Famers. Oh, and also pray no one gets hurt. All right, that was fun. Now let's go back to being sad and talk about the Minnesota Twins. Undoubtedly the biggest disappointment in the entire American League, they were successful in securing a last-place finish this week. How the hell do you finish in— How do you go from first to last in the AL Central? That just seems impossible to me. Anybody not named Josh Donaldson or Jorge Polanco regressed at the plate. Pitching, for the most part, killed the team more often than not. Look forward to the young guys next year in Minnesota. I'm thinking Joe Ryan, Alex Kirilov, Trevor Larnack, Nick Gordon. Pray that Byron Buxton can stay healthy for a change, and also pray that Kenta Maeda can confidently lead that pitching staff. This year was a bit of a step back, but hopefully after that surgery, he'll be good to go next year. And they say they want to, they quote-unquote anticipate to compete next year. All right, show us. I'd love to see it. All right, you thought that was said? Well, the next team is Pittsburgh, so get out the tissue box, I suppose. They did nothing but lose and embarrass the Reds this week, which is all they've been doing this September anyway. But hey, top Neil O'Neal Cruz had a nice debut last night. Last night, Saturday, October 2nd. Oh, but overall, it was another year of fun in Pittsburgh. Another 100 losses, another top-five draft pick to waste. Now, you could be hopeful and think that the circus will end sometime soon with the purge of the brass last year— coinciding with the farm system, actually becoming one of the better ones in baseball, and you could take it as a sign of things to come, or they could continue to be Pittsburgh, trip over itself, and continue to give the league something to laugh at. I will be split down the middle for now because I don't feel like being wrong on yet another hot take. So, Pittsburgh, you, be, you keep being you.
0: Oh, boy, I feel like this next team, I should put the sad violin music over. So, um, let's just say there's a tingling sensation going on in San Diego right now but not in the way you're thinking of because Jace Tingler is out as manager of the San Diego Padres, effective immediately at the end of the season. That was confirmed by MLB Network's John Heyman. The San Diego Padres season was completely wasted of the offseason moves that A.J. Preller made as GM. I honestly don't blame him for making those moves. He actually made the Padres something that could be talked about all year. He just probably didn't think that they'd be talked about all year as a disappointment. But it's not his fault that the ship has kind of gone down shitsburg. And yeah, I'm kind of making this up as I go along. So I'm just rambling on and on about the Padres uh, being like sh-. So you know what? I'm just going to stop talking about one shitty team and move over to another team that's not as shitty but still disappointing in the second half. And that is the Oakland A's. Now, they kind of wasted the trade for Starling Marte by faltering in the last two months of the season, effectively knocking themselves out of the AL wildcard race just about a week ago. Oakland did have a good year otherwise, although I just expected them to win the American League West in my predictions back in March, and that didn't come true, so whoop freaking do What could be the most intriguing news in Oakland all offseason is the possibility that Billy Bean will be leaving Oakland and moving to the East Coast to join the Steve Cohen regime and the New York Mets. Imagine if Billy Bean is in charge, then all of the problems for the Mets have to go away, right? Right? Yeah, probably not, but we'll see what happens to Oakland in the offseason. Now, I found this interesting stat about the Los Angeles Dodgers the other day from ESPN Stats and Info on Twitter that's since been outdated because they've played more games of baseball since then, but this is just to tell you how good the Dodgers have been in the second half. They've gone 48-21 and since the All-Star break, They're second best in the second half of the season since 1953. Pretty good. Again, outdated stats. However, they've gained zero games on the Giants over that span because the rival has gone 49-22 since the All-Star break. Well, Dodger fans, it's not over yet, though. You still have had a great season overall. 105 wins at the very least is something to not be disappointed by. It might be 106, um, depending on tonight's results that are unknown yet. But you know what? You shouldn't be disappointed again in the 105 wins. It just sucks that you might end up losing in the NL wildcard game to the St. Louis Cardinals. And then everybody will be questioning the decisions. They'll be questioning if Dave Roberts should have a job next year. This, that, and the other thing. But it's still, I think all good in Dodger world until they inevitably lose in the postseason, quite possibly to the Cardinals.
1: All right. That was one kickass second half team in the L.A. Dodgers. Who's ready to rattle off three more right in a row, starting with the Tampa Bay Rays? Now, safe to say their AL title defense is going pretty good, right? They've won a franchise-best 100 wins, possibly 101 if they could beat the Yankees again today, and everything sans the whole Tyler now fiasco around May and June has gone their way. Hatred for a division rival aside, don't change anything, Tampa. You've cracked the code of competing as a small market team. Every piece has its purpose. Manny Margot had no use in San Diego. He's their starting right fielder now. Austin Meadows cast out of Pittsburgh for no reason. Could be an MVP candidate any given year. I I really want to be mad, but I can't just help being impressed. So Tampa, fantastic year, fantastic turnaround. And one more thing, please don't split time in Montreal. If you're going to go that far, just move the damn team. From a team that was sure to make some noise this year, to a team that, honestly, no one even remotely thought would. Yeah, guys, the Seattle Mariners are still relevant at game 162. How many times can you say that? They drove the dagger through Oakland's heart with a three-game sweep, knocking their longtime foe out of the playoff race. This is the biggest surprise in the American League, no doubt in my mind. This is the closest they've been to first place. Since 2003, they don't have one particular superstar or difference maker, but they've got a pesky group of guys that have been able to rally around each other and succeed. This is the best chance they've had to break that october drought since the damn thing started. And even if they come up short this year, look at the guys coming up down the pipeline. Julio Rodriguez, Emerson Hancock, Noel V. Martinez. I, the Mariners are going to be terrifying this decade. I want to emphasize that they're going to be a damn good team, and this year is just the beginning. Whether or not a playoff appearance is in the cards. Hey, speaking of cards... The St. Louis Cardinals! I, to- I didn't even plan that, but we're rolling with it. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals halted their winning streak at a measly 17. Nothing great, just 17 straight wins. Um, They proceeded to kick the Brewers and Cubs' ass for the next two games and kickstart another winning streak, all adding up to another magical year that St. Louis has pulled out of its ass. A 46-27 and 27 second half followed up a sub-500 first half, propelled them to the playoffs, for the third straight year. Trade acquisitions in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado look like Cardinal greats in the making. The yachty Wayno duo will thrive forever. Okay, one more year, because they both just signed to one-year contracts, but still. And Mike Schilt really looks like to be the right man for the job. I would give you some advice for next year, St. Louis, but honestly, just do whatever. You'll probably pull another respectable year out of your ass again. It's how it always goes.
0: The Cincinnati Reds capped off a fantastic month of September by winning their last, and that's a deep drive into left field. And Nick Castellanos is gone, baby. He's literally hitting himself out of great American ballpark, and he'll be signing with another team, and that'll make it a 4-0 ballgame. Quite literally, uh, Cincinnati fans, it's not been a good month of September for you guys. But you know what? It has been a great month of September for somebody that, again, will probably be talking about, Later in the show, Eugenio Suarez. That's right. I have a crazy conspiracy theory that the reason he heated up in the month of September was so that way you couldn't blame him for their ultimate collapse in this past month. In September slash October on Baseball Reference, he's hit eight home runs, 13 RBIs, and he's batting 371 with a four fifty-one on base percentage in the September and October games that he's played so far in twenty-four to be exact. It's still not gonna really help the fact that he has a zero po- a negative zero point six war on the entire season, but hey, at least it's not Eugenio Suarez's fault that the Reds will ultimately be sitting out in yet another October. Well, I wish I could be talking good things about the New York Mets right now, but I really have nothing good to say about them. I mean, their season has kind of gone to shit after the All-Star break, and I know we pulled up a great stat last week about they had the all-time MLB record or franchise record or something like that of games most spent in first place in their division to ultimately finish with a losing record. So that's about the only thing that the Mets can really add to the record book this season. But hey, Met fans, they'll have an interesting offseason ahead of them. Again, Billy Bean could be coming to New York, but they're going to have to juggle whether or not to sign Javi Baez or Michael Conforto, possibly. You know what? At this point in March, I didn't really think I'd be saying many good things about the Detroit Tigers on October 3rd, but you know what? They've actually had a pretty good season. All things considered, they're currently third place in the American League Central and will most likely finish there. I haven't taken a look at the American League Central standing, so I really don't know if they could fall out of the third place position at this rate. But right now, at this time of the recording, A.J. Hinch has led his squad to a 76-85 and record. Very respectable for a team that was probably many thought could possibly lose 100 games this season but no 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 you had surprise people like akil badu rising up the ranks in april cooling off a little bit down the stretch but he's still one of the most exciting players on the detroit tigers roster miguel cabrera continues to etch his name in history every single day that he plays so that's something great to see jonathan scope had a great year for you detroit casey mize even was pitching pretty well this year even though they limited his innings down the stretch but at any rate it was a good season all things considered detroit and you know what maybe you'll get carlos correa in the offseason. Wouldn't that be a good move to vault your franchise to possibly in the AL wildcard race? One person won't do it alone. It'll have to be a team effort, but the Tigers, they're certainly a team on the rise.
1: From one AL Central team that is worthy of praise for this year, yet another has to be worthy of scolding. Kansas City, what the hell happened this year? No one was expecting you to win the division or run away with a amazing record that no one expected, but am I wrong in saying that this year should have been a much greater step forward? You look at some of their additions, like Carlos Santana and Andrew Benintendi, to complement the existing good hitters like Whit Merrifield and Adalberto Mondesi. You look at the young pitchers that were supposed to develop, like Brad Keller, Brady Singer, and Chris Bubich. It has not spelled anything for yet another disappointing season for the Royals in a year that I think at least they could have done a lot more. They weren't beating the White Sox, I didn't think they were beating the Indians even, but this should have been a greater step forward, and I don't know if you blame Mike Matheny, I don't know if you blame the players themselves, but nevertheless, Kansas City, develop your young guys a lot better next year. I'm genuinely scared for Asa Lacy, considering how bad Brady Singer's been, and look for more consistency across the board. That's a necessity for 2022. Oh, and for Adalberto Mondesi to not be made of glass, that would also really help. Oh, start spreading the news, because someone on the Diamond Duo podcast is going to say something good about the Yankees for a change. While definitely a disappointing season in terms they underperformed their expectations, this team still won 90 games. I mean, look at Garrett Cole. He's an ace. Spider-tack or no spider-tack, it's a damn good bounce-back story. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton got hot at the exact right time. And something that I don't hear anybody talking about, both of them each... ...played at least 135 games this year. They both avoided major injury, which is always my big concern with them. And I don't think I thanked them enough for that. Thank you, Yankees, for keeping your two impact players healthy. And guys like Luis Heal gave the fans immense hope for the farm system. As did the surge of Anthony Volpe in the minors. Minor League Player of the Year, by the way, Anthony Volpe. While definitely an underwhelming season, and trust me, Tom and I are going to pull no punches if they actually come out of this mess outside of the playoffs, it's still a 90-win season, still a good season on the whole. Just please, for the love of God, go into 2022 without Gary Sanchez, Aaron Boone, and possibly Brian Cashman, and watch the team flourish in 2022. I'm I'm not a fortune teller, but something tells me a catcher with the plate discipline of Sanchez doesn't belong in a major league level. How crazy would I sound if I said the Milwaukee Brewers had the potential to be the best team in baseball? Kind of crazy, right? Well, what if I told you their 1-5 through pitching rotation, if you don't count Brett Anderson at number 6, the minimum ERA plus for them is 132. Their worst pitcher, their worst starter is 32% better than the average pitcher. Oh, and then you casually look at their lineup and, oh yeah, here's Christian Yelich. He's not what he was. Definitely not what he was, but he's still good. And you look at other impact bats in the lineup, like Willie Adamas, a trade acquisition that's gone stupendously well. You look at Luis Urias, who's come completely out of nowhere. I obviously say, Garcia has a 116 OPS+. plus. Guys, the Milwaukee Brewers are a fantastic baseball team, and I've been saying that for years. They've just never put the pieces together until this year. I can't stress enough... Tom and I are going to talk more about it in the playoff section. The Milwaukee Brewers had a great season, and they're going to be damn good for years to come.
0: I think I hear Robert Andino singing something very happily in the background because baseball fans, you can thank the Baltimore Orioles for making this possibility of a four-way tie from actually happening. That's right. The Baltimore Orioles impacted the playoff picture. Who would have thought that in 2021? And the reason they did that? They won two out of three to the Boston Red Sox, ultimately putting them in a hole that they've since pretty much dug themselves out of, and then completely becoming the Baltimore Orioles of normal again by losing two to the Toronto Blue Jays, and again, making things interesting. So that's about the only great thing I can say about the Orioles at the moment. On the year, though, of course, Trey Mancini. He could be winning the Roberto Clemente Award. Also, 30 for 30 season by Cedric Mullins. He'll be getting... MVP votes he should be finishing in the top five for the American League MVP so not too bad all things considered you'll be getting a top five draft pick by the way also Baltimore San Francisco yeah sitting pretty at 106 wins at the time of this recording you guys have had a great season congratulations I can't stop singing the high praises of you guys for as long as we've had this podcast so about a month and a week now Congratulations, Giants. You've given your fans something to be proud of. What they can't be too happy about, though, is the unofficial team captain, Brandon Belt, breaking his thumb, and his timeline is unknown for the postseason. It's possible that he can return, but I think it's highly unlikely on what should be expected to be a deep run into october for san francisco we're certainly not going to be done talking about them for probably the next couple of weeks one name comes to mind as the only good part of the washington national season and that is juan soto yeah that's right the mvp candidate juan soto himself pretty much the next coming of ted williams i'd say Definitely one of the most exciting players in baseball. And the 7.1 Ward this season, yeah, that's something to consider as well. He leads the league in walks with 144. He leads in OBP with a 467 on-base percentage. He's really the only good thing that's happened again to the Nationals this year ever since that they've started their rebuild at the trade deadline when they traded away Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's better times ahead for those two, not so much for Soto and the Nats.
1: Arizona. Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. We need to talk. How do you go from 85 wins and second only to the Dodgers in your division to 2018 Orioles levels of bad in two years flat? I, I'm going to plug Urinating Tree here because he has a video on the Arizona Diamondbacks collapse and it is way more in-depth and it is not hindered by time. But what it comes down to is this team does did not have a plan they blew the core up one year, bought like crazy the next, including names like Madison Bumgarner and uh, Eduardo Escobar. This lack of plan has led to this sudden crash, and now the team is fed every way to Sunday. Arizona, the only thing to do from here is go through the motions of a rebuild, you know, sign some vets, let the prospects develop a little bit, try and guide guys like Dalton Varsho along more closely because they're not developing like they should. And find some overperformers to sell for some prospects. Pray you'll be relevant again when the rest of your division isn't. Because it's this year, whew, pray that number one draft pick is a golden goose. All right, time for probably the antithesis of the Arizona Diamondbacks in the Chicago White Sox. A team mired in a decade of mediocrity at best has quietly taken the American League by storm. This is their first first first-place finish and a real, uh, excuse me, their first real playoff appearance since 2008. You know, if you discount last year's uh, gong show of the playoffs. The Chicago White Sox have a dynamite hitting core, solid pitching, and the probably best or second-best closer in baseball. The way you look at it, there is no real weakness on this White Sox team. I mean, unless you count the geriatric in the bench, or excuse me, in the dugout that is leading them to victory. But for as much flack as you could throw at Tony La Russa, he got the team to 93 wins, and he practically lives in October. I mean, look at his success in the postseason with teams like the Oakland A's and the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm very curious to see how far he's gonna guide this team, not just this year, but in the years to come. The White Sox are gonna be a damn fun team to watch, and like Tom said earlier about the Astros, you can hear our thoughts about that matchup later, because I think it's gonna be a very interesting one to watch. And for my last team of Around the Horn, let's wrap up with a team I feel like I always get on this segment. The Cleveland Indians. Yeah, and then a grand year to sign off with the Indians moniker? They secured a losing record for the first time since 2012. Terry Francona, however, is going to be back to helm the ship for the first ever Guardians team. Yes, I still hate that name, by the way. But let's look at some of the bright sides. Cleveland has a pitching system that could teach an igneous rock how to throw a baseball well. And they do have some hitting cornerstones in that lineup right now. Cough, cough, Jose Ramirez has, is three stolen bases away from a 30-30 season. And you also have four top 100 prospects waiting in the wings, three of them being hitters. Look, Cleveland, I joke about you. I make all of the 3-1 to jokes, but you're not as screwed as you probably think. Just run with the rotation you have. You still have Shane Bieber, Aaron Savali, Cal Quantrill, the likes. Get some more hitters. Try and get Jose Ramirez to stay. Don't trade him. And you might actually be able to nip at the White Sox heels. Not now, maybe in a bit. I'll be positive to you once, Cleveland, because it's going to be sad to see the Cleveland Indians go.
0: The Texas Rangers. It's the Texas Rangers. What do you really want me to say about them? Other than the fact that they have a 60-101 and 101 record, that will probably be a 60-102 and 102 record by the time this episode goes up. It hasn't been a great year. Yeah, that 60-win season, yeah, not good, Texas. You're in the rebuild mode, so obviously things should be looking up, but you're going to have to tell Willie Calhoun that he has to play more than 75 games a year. He was your top prospect not too long ago, and he hasn't really panned out super well at the Major League level yet. Somebody that has panned out well for you this year is Adolis Garcia, batting th- with 31 home runs, 90 ribbies. He has 16 stolen bases to his name, although he's got two forty four batting average with a 288, uh on base percentage with a Joey Gallo-like 194 strikeouts. Yikes. He'll have to work on those numbers in the offseason, but besides Garcia, eh, things haven't really gone Texas' way this season, so Chris Wordward John Daniels and company can fix things in the offseason probably not it's a rebuild that'll probably last a couple more years yeah we are shipping off to Boston for the next team to talk about the Red Sox and you know what I hate to admit it because I really don't like Alex Cora I do think he is a great manager. Yeah, I don't like Alex Cora as a person, and I really don't like the Red Sox either, and so it just makes sense that they actually have had a really good season. After a 24-36-2020 season, Boston has rebounded from the likes of Ron Roenicke to back to Alex Cora, rehiring him after being pretty much fired for one year for Boston in his time of the cheating scandal, and they will either end the season with 91 or 92 wins. And if they win on the final day of baseball's regular season, they will at least have a home game in the AL wildcard game. Their fate there will be decided not too long after. Um, Yeah, great seasons all around for... I'll give Hunter Renfro some credit. He damn near has 100 RBIs. J.D. Martinez, probably a little bit of a regression, but honestly, not that much. He still had a good year. Rafael Devers, definitely the shining splendor of this team. 36 home runs, 109 ribbies, 275 bang average, 349 on base percentage. Pitching could have been better, uh, but you do have Chris Sale back, so that is something good for the postseason, and he's got good history in the postseason. So, you know what, Boston? you might be having a very good postseason. I really hope not, but we'll talk about that later. 29 down, 1 to go, and it is the Chicago Cubs. And I think one person, I believe on Twitter, summed it up the best of how their year went. Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and Javier Baez all homered on the same exact day, but not in a Cubs uniform. Their first games with their new teams They all hit a home run to symbolize that end of their era in Chicago is over. But you know what? Maybe it was a graceful ending to the Chicago Cubs team that everybody thought would win more than one World Series after 2016. But you know what? We already said it before, and I'll say it again. It's been a success for this run in Chicago. You broke the Billy Goat curse. That's all you can really ask for out of this franchise. There's a fly in my face now. And yeah. Brighter times are ahead for you guys. You've got Patrick Wisdom, Raphael Ortega, Frank Schwindel. We called him Jesus Christ a couple of times in previous episodes. So you guys will at least have those three and Kyle Hendricks at the helm next season as you look to rebound, hopefully a quick one for Chicago Cubs fans. And that was painful to get through, not because of sentimental reasons of the last round the horn of the year, but just because of how many times I'm going to have to edit out my stupid ass trying to, um, I can't even speak sentences. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I can't speak sentences today, Tony. It's a real problem for me. But we've got through around the horn, and probably more time than we thought. My bad. Oh, Jesus. My brain is so discombobulated, Tony, (laughs) that this trivia question that you're about to ask me is probably not going to go my way. I Yeah, just... just, I was...
1: (laughs) I was about to say maybe it's a good thing I'm the one reading the question because I might be able to get through a sentence right now. At least we'll have another segment before you get to ask yours and your brain could be recombobulated. I don't know what what the antithesis of discombobulated would be. So I'll say re-combobulated. G- give your recombobulated. Okay, good. <laughs> you could give your brain a chance to rest and while it's resting, I'm going to bombard it with a question that you may or may not know. We'll see. Excellent. So I'm like that Uh, (laughs) that transition aside let's get right into trivia all right so tom tom my friend i trash talked you a bit last week and you didn't get the question right and then i proceeded to uh get your question right you feeling confident going into this week
0: you feel lucky no i'm not feeling lucky i did feel lucky Last night going into it, but today, I'm already seeing how my performance in this episode is. It's probably about a 1 out of 10 in my books. Yeah, I'm I'm not feeling this trivia question. You did tell me the subject of the trivia question. I think it'll be interesting to see where you go with it. Um, I have no confidence that I'm going to answer this correctly, though.
1: All right, well, I will tell you, like I told you the topic beforehand, but it is relatively... I don't want to say famous or well-known, but let's just say it's less obscure than my last few questions were. So for folks listening at home who obviously wouldn't know this because Tom and I spoke of this before we started recording, my trivia question this week is to commemorate the team, the one of the four teams still vying for an American League wildcard spot that really shouldn't have been here, all things considered, and that's the Seattle Mariners. Now, obviously, if you don't know, they currently hold the longest North American playoff drought in sports. Uh, They haven't made the big dance since 2011. uh, 2011, that would actually be respectable. 2001. Literally the year my sister was born, my sister and this playoff drought are the exact same age. Thinking about that makes me feel so old, but let's not think about that. Let's think about something that will actually honor the Mariners, because I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them actually defying expectations and vying for that second spot. Granted, they're losing right now as we record. It's the bottom of the first, and they're down 2-0 to the Angels, but the Angels also have Reed Dedmers on the mound. So, it's Seattle. They, They may be able to bounce back but that's not what the question's about. The question is about arguably their most successful year in team history, at least playoff-wise, and that is 1995. Talk to me about 2001 all you want. 1995 saved their season in Seattle. And you want to know why it saved their season in Seattle? Well, dear viewer, listener, if you didn't know, the team was planning to relocate in 1995 because of years and years of awful, awful teams. And the Kingdome the stadium they were playing in, was literally falling to pieces. So they figured it's either tax the people for a new stadium or just move the team. And in a valiant effort that's straight out of a documentary, there's literally been dozens of documentaries made about it, the team saved itself and saved its own existence in Seattle. Now, the hit, this is the last part of the history lesson that I'll actually ask you the question, Tom. The hit that saved Seattle is most often credited to Mr. Edgar Martinez, who, in Game 5 of the first-ever ALDS, smacked a double down the left-field line, driving in two runners that, A, vanquished the Yankees in the ALDS, and B, propelled the Mariners to the American League Championship Series for the first time ever. It is one of the greatest hits in baseball history, and it's very renowned for its significance in saving baseball in Seattle. Now, my question to you, Tom, in commemoration of the Mariners possibly making the postseason again this year. Who were those two runners that scored off oh. Edgar Martinez's double that saved baseball in Seattle? Oh, you f- <laughs> I. I'll give you a hint. One of them's easy. One of them is pretty easy,
0: and one of them's a little more obscure. Okay, so the easy one I'm going to probably say is Ken Griffey Jr., um, I know. I think that may have been the year he won the MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. I could have my years wrong. I think you nodded your, your head. Did I get at least half of that right? Did, is Ken right?
1: So, so Ken Griffey Jr. is one of the runners. He was the second runner, scored from first base, actually. Had some wheels that day, and he scored the game winner. Uh, you did get the MVP wrong. He won it in 97, uh, well, but... But that wasn't the question. You got Ken Griffey Jr. right. Now if you get the second guy right, I will
0: I, I, I will be amazed. So you say it's a little bit more obscure, so I I don't know that I don't know the, the ninety five Mariners all too well. I know they had Lou Pinilla at the helm. I know they beat the um, Yankees in the ALDS, obviously, as you just said, thanks to that history lesson. Good job by the way. That was you get an A plus for that history lesson. That was very good. Um, it's not Edgar Martinez, who would have probably been my second guess. It ain't Ichiro because he came in 2001. Mm -hmm. Um, He was still in Japan by now. Yep. I almost want to say Jay Buhner, but I don't think that's right because I don't know if he was a Seattle Mariner again at that point. But then again, I really don't know my Mariners so well in 95. So I'm going to say Jay Buhner for the hell of it.
1: Jay Bunner for the hell of it? Yeah. All right. Well, I hate to tell you it is not Jay Buner.
0: Oh, whoop-dee-doo. No surprise.
1: <laughs> Jay. <laughs> Jay Buhner was batting later in the lineup, and he was actually a lifelong Mariner, so any time in his career, you could have guessed, he would have been in Seattle. So, the man who was on third base—you uh, want me to tell you, or you want to keep guessing?
0: I'm not going to have any guesses. My brain is already fried.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, the man on third base, who was practically able to walk home thanks to Edgar Martinez's double— was a man named Joey Cora. Oh, I da- oh, my f***ing God. I
0: literally looked at Alex Cora. Uh, <laughs> I have his baseball <laughs> reference pulled up, and Joey Cora is his brother. What the f***? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. I didn't know who Joey Cora was. I should have clicked on that, and then I would have seen that. and Maybe I would have gotten it. Oh, for sake. I'm not I, lying you- either. This is literally pulled up on my baseball reference right now. Oh my
1: god. If you guessed Joey Cora because of that, I would have driven down to New Jersey to give you a high five after that one. Because that would have been the most perfect case of perfect time, perfect place. But no, it it is the brother of famous nice guy and totally not a cheater and totally Tom's favorite person, Alex Cora. Joey Cora, 11 years in the majors, mostly a fielding and speed type player, stole 117 bases in his career versus only 30 home runs, and he was able to score the game-tying run that game, and actually, funny thing about that game, he was also able to add a bunch more win probability by smacking a very rare homer off of Yankees pitcher and current color commentator David Cohn. So, people credit Edgar Martinez with saving Seattle, I... Joey Cora, I think, is right behind him with that Game 5. Obviously, he didn't have the illustrious career that Edgar did, but you want to talk about, in a vacuum, who helped win Game 5? The brother of every Yankee fan's favorite manager is probably towards the upper echelon of that list. Oh, God. So, damn. Tom, I will give you credit for getting Ken Griffey Jr. Oh,
0: that, that one I will that one was a cakewalk. I felt like though, if I'm thinking of 1990, Seattle Manners, that probably him and Randy Johnson would have been the two players that would have come to mind. So once you said it was a walk in the park for the first one, I definitely knew that was going to be Ken Griffey Jr.
1: Well, you could have said A. Rod, you could have said Buehner, yeah. But hey, you still you still got half the question right. Very nice job. Maybe next week we get the whole question right, but I did plenty of smack talking uh, last week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did say I would raise the difficult, the degree of difficulty up for you, and I think I've done that because you're going to have a three-part trivia question. You're going to have to give me three oh. answers, and they all have to be right for you to get full credit. I'm not giving this half-credit bullshit that I've given in the past. You're going to have to get the full question right.
1: All right, I'm excited. Can't, cannot wait to prove you wrong.
0: Excellent. 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 Well, you know what? That was trivia one. And now we're going to move into a segment that we almost did for the pilot episode of the Diamond Duo podcast. Um, But we ultimately saved ourselves from doing it. Yeah, we didn't do a team of the month segment in that pilot episode in which me and tony would have assembled a squad of players that have performed at the top of their respective positions during the month of August at the time now we're talking about the people who performed above expectations and beyond better than some other players in the big leagues have during the month of September now here's how this is going to work so we're going to be doing a snake draft so that way whoever is player yeah whatever whoever is player 1 it'll go like 1 2 2 1 one, two, like, kind of in like, you'll get a pick and then you'll get to pick again just to make it fair for the other person. We're going to pick one player at um, at a time. Um, we're not going to go position by position and do it because that would be unfair. We're going to pick, we're just going to draft a team of, nah, Jesus, I can't form sentences again. We're going to pick one starting pitcher. One relief pitcher, one designated hitter, and then we're going to fill out one player at each of the other positions around the baseball diamond. And, yeah, we're going to see how this goes. We're going to see who can draft the better team of the month in September. And then we want to hear from you, the audience, on our Instagram or Twitter pages when we ultimately upload these graphics. Yes, we're actually going to upload graphics for once. Hallelujah. It'll be the second time we ever did that. We want to hear from you guys to hear – who you think had the better team of the month based on the numbers and maybe your favorite players alone. any anyway, rate, Tony, we got to determine who's going to go first, and you had an idea of how we are going to do this, and I think it's a pretty classic idea.
1: So, yeah, I don't think we need a big elaborate system when it comes to who's going first in this little draft of ours, so let's just do it the old-fashioned way. Tom, call heads or tails?
0: Now, what would analytics tell me of which one wins more of the Tom? I guess it's really <laughs> 50-50 um yeah analytics. I don't I don't care what they are. I'm gonna pick yeah checks are you sure check check baseball savant maybe tails
1: has some innate advantages that we don't know
0: hang on let me put in heads or tails on baseball reference real quickly heads (laughs) or tails so he
1: calls heads yes
0: yeah I called heads yeah I got (laughs) zero results by that on baseball reference by the way no surprise I called heads let's see it
1: oh big sad all right so Tom called heads I in turn have tails hey Siri flip a coin Tails. And it's tails. It is tails. I'm showing it to Tom now just to prove that I'm not lying. Okay, I'm not just fine. a dirty liar.
0: Yeah, he didn't lie. He actually got tails from Siri. We're too lazy to flip an actual coin on this podcast because we make zero money off this podcast, so we don't have coins to do this anyway.
1: Yeah, sponsor us and send us coins so we can flip them.
0: Hopefully bitcoins because that's in the market today. <laughs>
1: Wouldn't that be nice? Hey Siri, flip a bitcoin.
0: <laughs> It'll be like, okay, <laughs> Tony's searching for the Robin Hood app right now. Robinhood, by the way for that whole scandal but um anyway we're not searching a- gamestop <laughs> yeah search gamestop shirts search, search amc oh beautiful
1: vey. beautiful so all right with me with the number one overall pick which by the way kind of ironic that i said let's do this the old-fashioned way and then i asked my talking phone to flip a coin but
0: that's neither here nor there i have the first pick Listen. tom will pick right what? Listen, that's the old. Fa- that's gonna be the old-fashioned way for this upcoming generation. They might not have f- coins in like 50 years from now. Like those kids are probably <laughs> asking Siri to flip a coin for them anyway, instead of reaching for one, the imaginary one in the pocket that they got. So we're <laughs> we're just we're just um uh, like one of the. If you ever seen the meme of, like, what it do my fellow kids or something like that, where you've got the old guy, like, talking to a bunch of teenagers, <laughs> I feel like we're that right now.
1: I Way to make me feel even older than I already feel, Tom, <laughs> talking about how old the Mariners playoff drought is. I can see my gray hairs in this Discord chat. It's beautiful.
0: It's okay. I'll it's be beautiful. Going, it's okay. I'll be going bald in, like, 10 years anyway, so it's okay.
1: <laughs> so... Nevertheless, I have the first overall pick. Tom will go right after me, and then Tom will go for round two immediately after, followed by me, and then I'll go again. Like Tom said, it's a snake draft. You'll get the idea. That being said, Tom, shall we kick this off?
0: Let's do it. And I really, I have a very sneaky suspicion of who you're going to take number one, and I really hope you're not going to take this guy that I'm thinking of, because I'm going (laughs) to take him number
1: one. (laughs) You know exactly who I'm looking at. I... Be honest, you know who I'm looking at right now. So, that being said, I have my little notes sheet in front of me to write down who we all picked, so we can construct those graphics for you lovely people later. With the first selection of the September Teens of the Month draft, Tony Puglisi selects Tyler Wade. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you said that. It became official. You got Tyler Wade. No, <laughs> we're
0: not going to do it like that. <laughs> just, just say his name already.
1: <laughs> my first pick is Juan Soto. Juan Soto. Um... You think the guy I plan to make my closer, just one player for my closer last week, you think he's doing all right? Yeah. You want to know how good he's doing? Yeah, how about a 404, 565, 691 slash line for the month of September? Yeah, that's good for a 1256 OPS. And you want to know it's even better than that? You want to know it's even better, people, than seven home runs and 23 runs batted in? How about a walks-to-strikeout ratio Of 35 to 9, this man walked 35 times this month and struck out 9 times. When people say he's the next coming of Ted Williams, they're not exaggerating. They're really not. And while we're at it, can we please squash the Juan Soto as a bad defender trope, mantra, assumption? Because look at this man's baseball savant page. He's... 89th. He's in the 89th percentile of outs above average since moving to right field. He is not a bad fielder. I there's another guy on this list who I argue is a worse fielder that people give him credit for. Tom's probably picking him with the next one of his two next picks. But I mean if he doesn't I'll take it. That means I get to get him. But I Juan Soto to say Juan Soto has been good this year would be an understatement because I truly think he's having just yet another mark in his Let's just say he's taking another step in taking the mantle of best player in baseball. And I don't mean that with a hint of hesitation. I don't—throw all your Tatis's or Acuna's or whoever you want at me. Juan Soto's the next best player in baseball. Once Mike Trout starts declining, it's going to be Soto. And this month is just a microcosm of what this kid can do.
0: See, you know what— And Tom think,
1: doesn't get to have him on his team.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you again for that, by the way. Um, yeah, you've said all the good things about Juan Soto— Will he actually be the best player in baseball? I mean, it depends how much you really take into consideration. I mean, I mean, you just actually squashed a beef with the defense if he's in the 89th percentile of something or rather that I wasn't paying attention with because I was just scrambling to find who my, I'm gonna take with my first overall pick in this draft. But um, you're absolutely right, Juan Soto. You hit all the right notes on great player. He will be one of the best players in baseball. We're not. I'm not gonna say he is definitively or not at the moment, because some other people might have something to say about that. But at any rate, I've got to start this draft off with a bang. And you know what? This team made a bang in the month of September. No, I'm not talking about the Houston Astros banging on the trash cans. I'm talking <coughs> about the St. Louis Cardinals on a 17-game winning streak. And they were led by pretty much a couple players— but one of the biggest names that came out of that group is Tom Bauer's first overall pick for team of the month in September. And I'm going to be selecting Paul Goldschmidt, the first baseman and Tony Sanga's head. I think that was maybe the player he was thinking of taking next <laughs> in the month of September. Again, a huge reason. And that's why um, in the month of September slash October, because that's how it is on baseball reference, He played all 29 games, 35 base hits. Um, nine doubles, nine home runs, 20 RBIs, even sold two bases, 333 batting average, 427 OBP, slugging percentage of 676, an OPS of, I don't know, I'll just read it as is, 1.104, I don't know if you say 1104, 11004, I, uh, for f sake, I don't know how to read OPS, because I'm a f***ing moron. But yeah, Paul Goldschmidt, one of the best players over the month of September, really, really good, um, no surprise that I, I, I think, in my mind, this is not a surprise of who I was picking here. I had a couple of options of who I was going to pick that had a higher batting average and maybe a different OPS, I don't know. But I'm going with Paul Goldschmidt.
1: I Like I said Around the Horn, he's becoming a St. Louis fan favorite. He is practically going back to his MVP-type form in Ares, like he was in Arizona. Wouldn't be surprised if he got some votes this year, and you hit all the stats on the head despite not knowing how to read OPS. But that's that, that's okay, man.
0: That's okay. We all we all have bad tastes like that. Thanks. By the way, how do you how do you read OPS? Because I'm f-ing stupid.
1: I I mean when I read Soto's, I think I just read it as a twelve fifty six OPS. Okay, that's how I should have gone. You're good. You're good. I was hoping he would be on the table for when I pick next, but you know what? You know what? I got a nice little backup. I got a nice little wild card in my back pocket. But I hope it's
0: not the AL wild card because the Yankees could sure use that right now.
1: Yeah, I'm the AL wild card spot. It's me. <laughs>
0: Oh wait, anyway, oh, I pick again. I forgot about that. Surprise! No, surprise. <laughs> I completely forgot the d- rules of our d- own d- segment. <laughs> oh, no, God. no
1: one's gonna get it now. Yeah. Go ahead, pick pick your next guy. I hope it's not the guy I have on baseball savant because I really want to pick
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> See now, I could go between an outfielder right now or I can go between another position player. I'm not going to spoil it, because there are a couple of options of who I can pick of who had really good months. And I'm not thinking of a pitcher, by the way. I'm not going into the pitchers yet. A um, little draft strategy for me. Um, okay. You know, I'm going to do this just to steal this away from tony and say that i'm going to be stealing away who's probably going to be his mvp pick in the national league this year and i am going to be selecting with the second overall. oh he's got the smile on his face i think he's gonna <laughs> say him it's bryce I, harper what are,
1: what are you talking about juan soto's already off juan soto's already on my team that's my mvp <laughs> vote
0: you had the most dirt like devilish like i'm gonna kill you smile on his face <laughs> as i was announcing this over <laughs> Discord. i was so hoping you go for another position I was tempted to but I knew that I couldn't give you that tandem of the NL East's like two best outfielders over the month of September At <laughs> any rate Harper he's certainly not the reason why Philly is out of the playoffs right now he had a great month of September and slash October because that's how it works on baseball reference uh, I'll go through his stat line again nine home runs 21ribbies 316 452 684 in B in batting average OBP and sucking so that OPS, I'm going to say it right this time. 1135 OPS. I think I said that correctly. I really hope I did. Oh, if you want an OPS Plus, that's 203, whatever that means. That's his OPS Plus. Definitely a great month of September for Bryce Harper. Definitely. Oh, f- the fly is back in my face. God damn it. It's like a little nap. He, just, he that- just
1: wants a shout out, and he's gotten two of them now.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to put the f***ing Nat as my manager. Um, he can maybe do a better job than Aaron Boone does at managing a bullpen. Um, but yeah, Bryce Harper, a great year, great month of September. He probably will be the National League MVP, but we'll probably be saving that discussion for another date. And he's also my first outfielder on my September team of the month.
1: Yay, Bryce Harper's off the board. Okay, well, you know what? As someone who just drafted a fantasy hockey team yesterday, the strategy always is, have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, and plan E, because plan A is almost never going to work out, as evident by what just happened. So that being said, I have two picks. There's a couple different ways I can go about this, but the one guy, the one guy who I've been looking at for a little bit, and the one guy I can't see myself building my team without, is actually a fellow who helped guide my fantasy baseball team to a championship W, shameless plug, and that, my friends, is Dodgers shortstop, Damn it! Corey Corey Seager.
0: Ah, oh, was gonna be my next pick?
1: <laughs> oh, I was so hoping. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm pissed you took Harper, but at least I have this backup plan. And Corey Seager, the man himself, who, by the way, in case you didn't know, the Dodgers are a good baseball team. You wanna know how much better Corey Seager has made them? Try someone who has an 11.53 OPS over the month of September. That's combined with a 366. 455, and 699 slash line. And this is from a guy, mind you, that missed a bunch of the first half of the year uh, due to a broken hand, I believe. I believe he was hit by a pitch and he broke his hand, but he was out a good chunk of the year, and now he's back in better than ever. He has a pretty respectable uh, walk-to-strikeout ratio. at 16 to 10. Not quite Juan Soto levels of insane, but you're walking more than you're striking out. You're doing something right. You're doing something very, very right. And isn't this pretty prototypical? Of Corey Seager, he always starts out the year good, but ends the year looking like the best player in baseball. I mean, you want more evidence other than this year? Look at last year. Look at the fact that he won World Series MVP for the Dodgers in the marathon run that was the 2020 postseason. And now he's just up to his regular old back half of the season schemes again. And it's because of this performance that Corey Seager is probably getting himself paid in the offseason by the Dodgers, or by whomever, uh, whomever, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Like Tom said, we'll probably have a discussion about that later on as well. But Corey Seager is my second pick in this draft.
0: Yeah, mucho dinero coming Corey Seager's way. Um, Probably, well, a lot of people say the Yankees will sign him, but I have other various thoughts that would disagree with said statement. But yeah, much money would be coming his way. That's why I said mucho dinero. Spanish lesson, by the way. So very good pick. For your number two on this team now i know who i'm already gonna pick next and i'm really hoping you don't say this guy because if so then i'm gonna oh. have to reverse my game plan
1: you know what now it's now i now's one of the times i wish i could read minds i wish i could read minds and take well, tom's pick from him because listen,
0: do, you, do you have a crystal ball right in front of you You could like rub it and be like mm, what's tom gonna do i mean you have that red bull machine behind you so i mean you can maybe rub the glass I, of that yeah you know, i have
1: a red bull fridge if anything i can ask if that has any magical powers I, I should probably plug it in, though. <laughs> yeah. it's, o- it's, only, it's only unplugged so it doesn't make noise during the broadcast. I don't just have an unplugged fridge in my basement, people. <laughs>
0: no, go to option <laughs> B. Just ask Siri what Tom is going to do next.
1: <laughs> yeah, the old-fashioned way. Let's do it like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: So, nevertheless, I uh, there's someone who I really want. There's someone who I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at his name just square right now, and I know I want him, but at the same time... There's a position that I know is going to be somewhat scarce, and by that, there's only one guy who's been listed by MLB.com in this position. There's only one guy who's been listed on, like, teams of the month, and just from the research that Tom and I have done. And to be fair, this gentleman, this individual has had a very, very, very fruitful month of September. He would not be a bad choice in the slightest. It's just a matter of, do I want him as my
0: game plan right now? See, I'll give you a hint. I don't think we're thinking of the same person then, which is good. But I was considering that... I'm considering a position to take after my next selection. I'm very interested to hear if that's going to be the same position or not. But I really am not sure. So that's just my hint of my draft strategy right
1: now. Okay, we're probably not thinking of the same guy, and I'm probably reaching for this guy, all things considered. But I want this—I want this position filled, and that's why I'm taking Giancarlo Stanton to oh, be my f- DH.
0: F- I forgot about the DH. Shh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, mlb.com only has Stanton listed as like the DH of the month, obviously because the National League doesn't have a DH and I didn't feel like combing to find, you know, who's the second best DH in the uh, DH in the American League. Uh but in all actuality, I didn't just pick Stanton because of position eligibility. Um he's high keeping fantastic this month and all Yankees, Yankees fan bias aside, a 286 average, a 324 on base and a monster 6.22 slugging to go along with that. That's a that's a huge jump, by the way, from on-base percentage. Good for a 9.46 OPS. He's hit 10 home runs with 25 runs driven in so far this month. And if you've been able to watch Stanton over the past month, like, like Tom and I have, we're both the Yankees fans, we've watched this, Stanton has come up so much more clutch than he has been in months past. It honestly, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but it feels like we're watching Stanton... From a few years ago. We're watching, you know, 2018 Stanton when he drove in 100 runs. We're watching 2017 Stanton when he won the MVP, though he's not quite that good this month, obviously. You
0: you know, I was about to make that reference that I feel like he was playing at that MVP type level this month, except he's not in the outfield as much because the Yankees don't know why. They don't have a reason as to why they don't want to put him out in the outfield other than that they want to give Brett Gardner some ABs but i was going to say i was going to make that comparison to the mvp type level cuz honestly he's been one of the yankees team mvps over the month of september him and aaron judge again we get to see what they're what they're capable of when they're at full strength which we haven't been able to say in 2 years so good to see that we actually get to witness that
1: absolutely absolutely and for those reasons uh the health also really helps too him playing more than 20 games a year is certainly a plus but that is why I am taking Giancarlo Stanton with my third overall pick, and he will fill the DH
0: role. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So now I, th- once you told me about the scarcity of the position, I I don't know why I didn't think of DH, considering that there's only 15 <laughs> DHs in baseball compared to, like, I don't know, 30 of another position in baseball that I will <laughs> get to pretty soon. But you know what? The next player I'm going to take is somebody who I don't think neither of us expected to have as good of a year as he's had. I mean, this is a guy who had a very uh, dismal—do I have it pulled up on Baseball Reference? No, I don't, but he has 6.3 war this year, which makes up 8.6 of his total war in his career. I think Tony knows who I'm about to take because I think he probably had him up. It Damn is it. three you, or two. You, 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 um, so do you remember
1: to... You remember when I said, huh, I want to take this guy, but because of the scarcity of this position, I'll take Stanton. I know exactly who you're picking, and it's that f***ing <laughs> person.
0: I mean, you might as well say his name for me. It's it's Marcus Semyon, isn't it? No, it's not Marcus Semien. What? I'm, I'm not taking Marcus Semyon right now. That's a good guess. I'm going to be taking another Cardinal that has been one of the reasons why they're as good as they are this year, Tyler O'Neill. That's right, I'm going back-to-back outfielders over this draft, and I'm just going to put him in my outfield real quickly on my uh, little graphic, uh, so that way I don't forget that I've taken I
1: incorrectly incorrectly guessed Marcus Simeon's uh, war total. Come at me, stat nerds. I'm I'm sorry. I've I've sinned.
0: I think he's actually gotten near like 30 in his career, but we'll find out when one of us probably inevitably takes him later in the draft. But yeah, O'Neal, 13 home runs, 30 RBIs over the past 30. 30 games that he has started or the 31 games that he has played and he struck out 39 times so i guess that's not great with a um only eight walks but chalks up for an obp of 375 that's not bad at all a 325 bang average to go with it those power numbers though along with his 11 his 111 uh, me what one 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 zero ops oh god 100 1100 ops There we go. Oh, I can think of it. There you go. Those power production numbers, that's why he's going to be on the team of the month. I just can't wait to play, hopefully, his Lightning Series card, SDS Studios on MLB The Show. Get on that because he better be one of the um, players of the month, I hope. It could be somebody else and they probably would deserve it. But if he gets a Lightning card, oh boy, howdy, I'm going to be putting him in my outfield next to Mickey Mantle and Luis Gonzalez, and probably taking out Gary Sheffield in my lineup. But yeah, Tyler O'Neal, one of the big reasons why um, the Cardinals, again, went on a 17-game winning streak, and he's going to be the player I select. Tony, what were you going to say?
1: I was going to make an MLB The Show joke. Why wouldn't you want a diamond Juan Soto, man? His finest card last year hit nukes.
0: Listen, I had a diamond—I had the live series Juan Soto, actually, in most of my lineup through April and May— And then once I started um, getting those Team Affinity Series Two players, that's when I started taking Mm. him out of my lineup just because I had more serviceable options that I could play every day instead of just a guy who could really mash righties well in MLB The Show, but I don't think as much lefties because they increase because with the like daily stuff that can raise the stuff with inside edge. His card was unbelievable to use. He was one of the best hitters in the game at the time. But now I've got to select another great hitter in baseball over the month of September. It's not going to be Marcus Semien, by the way, so I'm not taking a second baseman. But I am going to be taking what I believe to be a scarcity at this position of quality catchers. In the month of September, Tony has a devilish smile again, because I'm going to be taking a guy who's probably risen his batting average at least 20 points, just a rough estimate or guesstimate over the month of September, and he has Monty Grandal. I'll be taking him next. Tony, I believe, just said the F word. Can you say that a little bit louder for the audience to hear? Mother. There you go, the M effort, I, good old M effort. I was, I was kind of concerned. I didn't know he raises
1: batting average that much. I was hoping you'd like steal Marcus Simeon away from me, so I could in turn go and pick Grandal with my next pick. Oh, no! I'm
0: All right. I'm taking the guy behind the dish.
1: Re revamping my strategy then.
0: Now he's been getting on base at over an, uh 400 OBP over the entire season, but he has, I believe, at one point had like a 189 or some. Very low number batting average to combat that. And then he's risen, it. I think, from like 220. And now I believe it's 242 over the year. I'm going to pull up baseball reference and make sure I'm not spewing bullshit. I actually don't know. I'm not going to be able to tell his uh, batting average over the course of the year. Yeah, he is batting 242 now with a 422 OBP. And over the month of September, he had a 1043 OPS. Again, saying it wrong. And he had a 470 OBP, and a big reason, again, why the Chicago White Sox are successful, because he Monty Grandal is getting on base, and mainly I selected him now because I think of the scarcity at the catcher position, because I'm looking at the other one that I think me and Tony have the same article, because I chastised him about that in pre-production, um, looking at the September All-Stars article on MLB.com, that's primarily where I'm going to for research, but I'm looking at the other catcher, and I don't know who he is, um, so I'm not going to be selecting him. I'm just going to take Moni Grandal. And also, the MLB released a team of the month. I have a huge disagreement with putting Salvador Perez as the best catcher in the month by MLB. I think it was Yasmani Grandal. If you look at his numbers over the month, they're going to be self-explanatory.
1: <laughs> oh, are you in for a surprise when I get to catch her? <laughs> I picked Gary Sanchez. No.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Get ready for that three-pitch at-bat where he swings at every pitch seven feet outside of the zone. That's what I want. <laughs>
0: All right, Tony. You oh are my up. by I, right. I selected Tyler O'Neal and Yasmani. Who are you going to be taking now?
1: All right. So, given the fact that you now have two outfielders, and we still have some good outfielders to choose, but I don't want to fall behind. I don't want to, you know, get caught up and uh, worry about, you know, other positions while leaving Soto out there to dry. I mean, who do you think I am, the Washington Nationals? So, oh, but I'm. Ah. ah. Oh, topical humor, topical humor. That being said, I'm going to pick Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros as my second outfield choice. Now, Kyle Tucker, a lot of people know him as, oh, he's the guy on the Astros that didn't cheat. He's the guy outside of Jordan Alvarez who you can't really yell at because he wasn't on the team in 2017. Yeah, well, Kyle Tucker has high-key been one of the best bats, best and most underrated bats in baseball, if you ask me. Kyle Tucker this month has slashed 3.33. 4.31 4.31 and 6.56, good for a 10.87 OPS. He hit six home runs, drove in 15 RBIs, and he as well, a lot like a lot of the guys on my team, have walked more than they strike out. His on-base, uh, bleh, on-base percentage has gone up recently. And something that Tucker has that the, my, the other three guys on my team, Stanton, Soto, and Seager, you know, the three S's, Something that they don't have, or at least as much of, is Tucker's speed. He's not an Adalberto Mondesi type threat. He's not going to be on the move each and every single game. But he's still a threat on the base pads whenever he gets down to first. He has, uh, wow, excuse me, now I can't talk today. He has the tools to just get up and run to second if his team really needs him to. And I think it really makes him one of the most under-the-radar five-tool players in baseball. Because he's also an outstanding fielder out in right field. He's in the 86th percentile of outs above average, which is just a couple ticks lower than Soto. And I just pulled up his stolen base numbers. He's got 14 on the year. That's not, you know, fantastic, but it's also not bad either he has the ability to do it and he's not afraid to pull out that weapon if he really needs to so kyle tucker one of the best and more underappreciated all-around talents in baseball i'm picking him in my outfield and he also has the shared perk that Corey seager shares and that kyle tucker helped me to a chip this year so i've had my eye on him for a little bit longer than some of these other guys
0: i don't know why i laughed like a child when he said he's gonna pull out that weapon like no other or something like that oh boy i'm a oh my god (laughs) i'm a child at heart (laughs) good another another
1: thing for the bloopers folder oh yeah
0: (laughs) oh god whenever we release an out of context like edition of us spewing (laughs) randomly i think that's going to be one of the best things to come out of that but i'm just laughing like a child in the background tony's taking it seriously trying to make a better team than me and i'm just giggling along in the background tony you got another selection i'd
1: you you don't know I'm serious. What if my next pick is Nick Castellanos because of his deep drives to left on somber occasions?
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, you could. That would suck. I don't have the ultimate superpower on my team at that rate. Um, I, <laughs> to hit
1: untimely home runs. You know what? Now, now, now I might want to draft Castellanos. No, I'm kidding.
0: All right. Who are you going to be taking next?
1: So, based on the positions that have not been touched yet, there's only a handful. There's not too many left. But there's definitely an advantage to be staked in those that have not been touched yet. One of those positions I'm looking at right now is third base. And there's a guy that Tom and I talked about before the show of where the hell did he come from? Where's this been all year? How has he not been playing like this more often? Uh... And Tom knows exactly where I'm going with this because there's one third baseman that has been far and away the best one in baseball, if you ask me since the month got underway, and that is Reds' third baseman, ironically enough, Casianos's teammate, Eugenio Suarez. Now, Suarez really flew under the radar for me. I had no idea how good he was doing, because the only time I would ever pay attention to the Reds was to laugh at them for losing to the Pirates and choking away their best chance at a postseason. But that choke job in no way is Eugenio Suarez's fault. You want to know how I know that? Try a 355 batting average, a 446 on base for a guy that strikes out a ton. That's insanely good. Couple that with, and I say this with no hesitation, a 790 slugging percentage. 790. Are you kidding me? That's higher than Soto's. That's that's higher than Harper's. You look at that. You punch that together. You get a 1236 OPS. Seven home runs. 11 runs driven in. Most of them by those home runs. And Eugenio Suarez has a fish, uh, has effectively time warped himself back to 2019 when he was second in all of baseball in home runs. Because, Tom, I make no exaggeration. Eugenio Suarez is hitting like Barry Bonds right now. And I can spit all the numbers out at you that I want. It, it won't really do it justice. You really have to go look at it yourself because I did not believe it when I saw it. And you want to know why I didn't believe it? outside of just how good those numbers were. His OPS for September, like I said, 1236, was was succeeding an August OPS of 576. (laughs) 576. His OPS for the entire month of August was lower than just his slugging percentage for the month of September. That's insane. That is ludicrous. That is more adjectives that I can't think of right now because I want to move on. But... Eugenio Suarez low-key had one of the best months of September of any position player, and I would be—I'm actually kind of surprised I got him at, with my fifth pick, but that is my pick at third base.
0: See, I was tossing up going between Yasmani Grandal or Eugenio Suarez with that next pick, but I saw the catchers, and I just couldn't think of anybody else off the top of my head other than Gary Sanchez of who I would crown my on my team of the month. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't have the third baseman of my choice. There is still another very good third baseman out there that I will be picking. So, I don't have to worry about picking a third baseman yet. What I do have to worry about is going through the pitchers, another outfielder, and the DH, and the two positions I think I'm going to select next which are second base and shortstop. And I'm going to start with the second baseman because we already mentioned him. We, I predicted, I thought, he had a near 30 war, and he actually has a 28.7 war on his career. That's Marcus Semyon, who has a 7.2 war this year. A very, very good season. That will probably, again, get him in the um, MVP. Uh, it'll get him MVP votes this year, possibly a top five player. Um, All in the American League this year. Uh, Now, Tony, does he have a one-year deal that he signed as well? Because I know you mentioned somebody. He is signed only through 2021 because you had mentioned Robbie Mm -hmm. Ray and you had Marcus Semien as well. Toronto won the offseason, I think we can already say, looking back on it, just by getting those two alone on those one-year deals. But at any rate, let me tell you about Marcus Semien's month of September. He only had a 254 batting average. That's why I was tossing up between him and Mr. Thumbs Down, Javier Baez, for who I was going to pick. But then I saw that he was a lot more productive in the air than any other month that he's had this month by hitting 12 home runs. And if you times 12 by 2, you're going to get 24. That's how many RBIs he has on the month. He only has a 336 on base percentage. He's got a 926 OPS. Um, a 590 slugging percentage. But again, if you're thinking about vital players that have led to the team's overall success in the month of September, Marcus Semien cannot be not cannot be not included in that conversation. That's why he's going to be my second baseman of choice um, for this segment. Now, I did just tease, as I'm writing down Marcus Semien on my um, sheet here, that I'm probably going to be selecting a shortstop next. And, Tony, I believe you already took my shortstop of choice in Corey Seager. Well, you know what? How about how about this? I'm hearing my mom scream about the Giants upstairs, so something bad inevitably happened. Um, how about this? Let's talk about a guy who's leading the at least the American League, maybe baseball, in all of hits this season. And it also just so happens that, to be the teammate of Marcus Simeon, I'm going to be selecting Beau Bichette as my shortstop here with my next pick. And Beau Bichette over the month, um, I'm pulling it up. Eight home runs, 21 RBIs. Eh, that's that's pretty. That's pretty f-ing good. He's got 41 hits. Um, he also has a slash line of 347, 373, 602, and an OPS of 975. Again, rinse and repeat the same stats, but they're really f-ing good. He even has five stolen bases to go with his name, and he just so happens to be the on the winning team right now that is going to be competing with the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Mariners for that final wild card spot. Again, the big reason why my brain went uh, my brain my brain went blank <laughs> about what I was going to say next, so I'm just going to give it up to Tony. Um, he'll be next at the for who Who's going to be selecting before I run out of words to say yet again?
1: Well, <clears throat> adding a couple Blue Jays to your squad. Very loyal Yankees fan you are. I say <laughs> as I, I say as I put a Houston Astro right after Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> kind of figured you were going to take Simeon from me there. I'm okay with that. I kind of have an off the wall pick for second base, just like I do with um with catcher. Might have gone off the rails from MLB.com that article you said we were both looking at, but for the time. I, with my next pick, I'm going to lock down my final outfielder because I have one more that I kind of like circled on my scouting report, so to speak. You know, Soda was there. Harper was there. You know, Harper was there. Um, (laughs) Ah. But there's one last guy I have circled. And it can't be Tyler O'Neal because I took him too. It can't be Tyler O'Neal, but it can be Luis Robert.
0: Yep. That was going to be my next guy.
1: Yep. And this was another guy kind of like Eugenio Suarez that I had no idea he was doing as good as he was. Only difference is that Robert was actually helping his team to a division championship and Suarez was trying in vain to salvage whatever uh, whatever he could from a sinking ship. But back to Luis Robert, much like Corey Seeger, he mitched uh, he mitched, He missed much of the year uh, with an injury, actually missed the entirety of June and July, only played Only had five ABs in the month of May even, so his mo- wow, I can't talk. (laughs) The bulk of his production has come in this second half, in August and in September, and interesting to note, he has has over 1,000 OPS in each of those months. In August, it was uh, a 1041, and here in September, it's a 1031. This is to go along with a 367 batting average, a 398 on base, and a 633 slugging percentage Luis Robert, obviously one of the most highly touted prospects in baseball over the past few years, now is becoming an everyday player for an already dangerous Chicago White Sox team. If he could stay healthy next year and continuously put up numbers like this, you know, of the plus of the over 1,000 OPS variety, the White Sox are going to be scary. And don't forget, he's not just a threat with the bat. Much like Kyle Tucker, Robert is a five-tool player through and through. 89th percentile in outs above average, 86th percentile in outfielder jump. That means he's getting to more balls that other outfielders aren't. And sprint speed, he's well over the 70th percentile as well. So Luis Robert, much like Kyle Tucker, has a ton of tools he could pull from. I'm not looking at Tom right now because I have my sheet in front of me, but I bet he's smirking like an idiot that I said things he could pull from. (laughs) But Luis Robert's my next pick, and that will round out my outfield of Juan Soto, Kyle Tucker and Luis Robert.
0: Well, you stole who I was gonna pick next, so that's great. Now, woo! I'm listening again <laughs> to my mom scream in the background about the Giants. So, uh, oh, I yeah.
1: couldn't even tell what they're doing. Oh my goodness! Uh, the Red Sox, the Red Sox trail the Nationals two nothing, and the bases are loaded. Chris Sale's leaving the game. Oh!
0: Okay. Oh my God! The Giants scored a touchdown in overtime. They beat the Saints. Let's go! I think. I think. Look at that! Everything's coming up New York. About. Yeah. Oh yeah! Let's go! Even the Jets won a football game for Christ's sake. How did that happen? Oh my God! Actually, Tennessee has the ball with 16 seconds left, so maybe not. Or maybe they just kicked a field goal. I don't know. My mom is screaming. Ha, ha. <laughs> That's really what you said. That was my best mom impression. Um, Yankees and Rays, uh, they're 0-0 going into the fifth at the moment. I'm looking at other games. The Blue Jays, they're going to win. They're up 5-1. Um, I'm trying to see if other teams. Uh, Seattle is now losing 4-2. to I'm hoping the Nationals somehow pull this off, but the uh, Red Sox came back last night, and hopefully they won't come back again tonight. any anyway, rate, um, that was a little bit of a tangent. Uh, let me just quickly go into my next um pull of this draft. So Tony Actually I think it...
1: Actually, what? I I have one more. I just picked one. I just picked Robert so far.
0: Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. That's two weeks in <laughs> a row that I don't know how to count. You you can't cheat me
1: out of a pick there, Mr. Bauer. No can do, because I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go into uncharted waters, and by uncharted waters, I mean all of my position players have been like Every other position player I could take, you have already taken the top crop. For instance, first base, you took Goldschmidt. You know, second base, you took Simeon. Catcher, you took Grandal. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. So, that being said, I am going to go ahead... I'm going to go out on the limb and pick my starting pitcher for the month. And beyond a doubt, I think the man that pitched far and away the best in the month of September is Braves' ace, Max uh. Fried. This is a guy who kind of had, I don't want to say an up-and-down season. Uh, if I could type his name into baseball savant properly, that would really help me. Max Fried was a guy who always this for the most of... What am I trying to say? For most of this year, he pitched well, but he didn't pitch up to the level that people were anticipating him to. He wasn't having a bad year, so to speak, but he wasn't you know ace-like. He didn't show us the same uh, nasty stuff that he was bringing to the mound last year. Well... Uh, try that. Uh, try telling that to Max Fried in, 2020, in, in the second half of 2021. In the month of September, he has a 154 ERA, a .73 whip. That means he's allowing less than a base runner on per inning with a whip sub one. Um, what else has he done this month? He struck out 36 batters while only walking seven, and he also tossed a Maddox in the middle of the month. I believe it was actually against the Padres, and it gave us a chance to laugh at the Padres. If you don't know, a Maddox is a complete game shutout thrown in 100 pitches or less. Very, very, very impressive feat. I believe I remember hearing that Freed was actually the last Brave to do that since Greg Maddox himself, so major props to him. He pitched fantastic this month, and he is one of the principal reasons Atlanta finds themselves atop yet another NL East.
0: Uh, Well, Tony, I really wish I got to steal that pick away from you, because that's, again, who I was going to pick. I was going to be like, you know what? We haven't covered the pitchers yet. I'm going to take the top one. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But you know what? Oh, I'm still going to do I'm, it.
1: But I'm too good like that. I'm sorry. What can I say? I, I know how to count.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know how to count. Yeah, yeah, any yeah. Anyway, I'm going <laughs> to jump more into uncharted territory. I'm going to take a relief pitcher then, and I'm going to go with Milwaukee Brewers <laughs> pitcher, not Devin Williams. I'm going to take Josh Hader, who over the month of September – didn't have any wins or losses on his record. Didn't also give up any runs in his 10 uh, blah, blah, blah. his ten appearances on the mound. He has six saves to his name, only 10 innings pitched. Gave up only two hits in those 10 innings. Walked eight, so a little sketchy there. Also struck out 18. Very good month of production for Josh Hader. Yeah, so screw you, Tony. I'm going into that uncharted territory. Joke's on I, I- you.
1: I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of glad you took Hater, because the other guy that I guarantee you had another guy written down, I kind of wanted the other guy more.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> f*** you. Oh, I know who you're going to pick, probably, for looking at the same article. Well, um, yeah,
1: of course. Mer- Yankees closer, Wandy Peralta. F- you. and
0: you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's my turn to pick. And Yeah, uh, no, it's not. With, you don't know how with, to with my pick. Ha, ha, ha. Good no, impersonation. I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> I I am doing an impersonation. Uh, I was hoping you were serious <laughs> there. Um, so yeah, now that we've kind of gone through all the positions, we kind of bested each other at each possible position. So I've only got my starting pitcher left to choose. Um, I've got my third baseman, my other outfielder, and a designated hitter. I'm really gonna have to try and find a designated hitter to pull out of my ass. So that'll probably be my last pick. Um, my start would be
1: impressive, just as it would be painful. But continue. Yep.
0: Yeah, thank you. It'll be like, yeah, I'm not not even going to go there. Um, Let me just go ahead and get Jose Ramirez out of the way. I'm going to pick him as my third baseman. I know on that article, I can't spell Ramirez right in baseball reference. Um, On the uh, article that we were looking at, Jose Ramirez um, has a 907 OPS in the month of September. So good for him. He's one of the best players in baseball this year, one of the best third basemen. Uh, 6.6 war, Tony mentioned. He's a couple steals away from actually getting a 30-for-30 season. He only has one game left to do it, though, so I don't think he'll be achieving that. But what did he do over the month of September? Well, that's a good question. I don't know because I don't have his stats pulled up right now. That's coming up in about five seconds. Not five seconds. It's coming up right now. My screen moved on me. It's coming up right now. In those 31 games he played between September and October, he has 31 hits for himself, drove in or um, rather has 23 runs. He drove in 19 runs, uh, four doubles, one triple, five home runs, eight stolen bases, um, tied most with the uh, month of August for most in a month for him. More walks than strikeouts, 19 to 16, slash line 298, 400, 500, and 900 um, if we're going into OPS. Although over the month of September, again, keep in mind he had a 907 OPS, but the numbers I'm looking at are combining September and October. So, I got Jose Ramirez out of the way, and now I'm going to have to find some other players to pick as hopefully we kind of move this more into a rapid-fire uh, type thing, I'm um, just looking at the time of how long we've been recording. But, Tony, you're up.
1: I agree completely in terms of speeding this up because, like Tom said, we've gone through all the positions. We've taken all the surefire, you know, the Juan Sotos, the Paul Goldschmidt's of this draft. It's just more in terms of wrapping up our teams. Like, I still don't have a first baseman, I still don't have a closer, and I still don't have a second baseman. So, I'm going to fill two of those holes right now, and if I could spell this gentleman's name right on my sheet, that would be tremendous, but I'm going to follow in Tom's footsteps and pick my reliever first. I'm going with Liam Hendricks of the Chicago White Sox. Now, what is there to say about Liam Hendricks? I mean, it's kind of... It's very ironic and kind of a given that the two best closers in baseball happen to just casually have the best uh, relief pitcher months throughout the entire month because Liam Hendricks also did not allow a run all month, closed out, or rather saved, seven games for the White Sox. He only allowed six hits all month. And what I find incredible about this dude's month, he had a .51 whip. That in and of itself is incredible. He struck out 16 and did not walk nary a batter. He had zero walks all month. So I, Josh Hader, I, I I don't know their ERA pluses off the top of my head sue me, and I don't feel like looking it up for time, uh, for time reasons. But honestly, you put a gun to my head and choose either Hader or Hendricks, I think even if Hader was still on the board, I may have gone Liam Hendricks just for the fact that not only does he keep runs from crossing the plate, he keeps runners off. The base pads. I mean, even Tom said with Josh Hader, he walked eight people all month. Liam Hendricks don't have to worry about that. He gave up six hits and just breezed through like it was nothing. So I'm going with Liam Hendricks. I'm very happy with that pick. And for my next pick, I'm going to fill out that first base uh, shaped hole in my lineup and pick probably another gimme in Vlad Guerrero Jr. Now, definitely did not put up Goldschmidt type numbers this month. He wasn't absolutely insane but he's still Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's still slashed 312, 385, and 569 for the month. That's good for a 954 OPS. Um, and he also did, keeping with my trend of looking at walks to strikeouts, this is the narrowest K-to-walk ratio month-by-month uh, month he's had this year. Granted, he still strikes out more than he walks, but I believe he's only off by about two walks which, given his previous months, is a tremendous step in the right direction. It's been a fantastic MVP-type year for uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. this year. If it weren't for some guy in Los Angeles who can like swing a bat and throw a ball, I don't know, I've never heard of him. If it weren't for him, Vlad Guerrero would be an open-and-shut MVP case. He's, he's not winning the Triple Crown anymore, which is sad, but still a fantastic year. He should be very proud of himself, and he finished it on an absolute banger of a note with this month of September.
0: Excellent. So now I'm just going to kind of speed through these stats as I try and think of who I should be taking next. Again, I've got one outfielder, a designated hitter, a starting pitcher, and I think that's it. So, Tony, for time purposes, I'm just going to go through all three right now. Um, I don't know how many players you have left. Um, I
1: believe I just have two.
0: You have two? Okay. Um, then for time purposes, again, I'm just going to go through all three right now. Um, because again, we've already kind of select, I think we have like opposite, like, like we don't have any, um, people that are going to be overlapping, uh, positions, correct? I have starting pitcher, outfielder, and a DH left.
1: It it can't possibly overlap. My, my positions left are second base and catcher. So go right ahead.
0: I'll go right through this and I'll go through it quickly. My DH, I'm going to take JD Martinez. Um, I kind of was making fun of him earlier, um, but, um, yeah, he's the only other TH I can really think of that by looking at numbers, he's probably done probably the second best of John Carlos Stanton off the top of my head of thinking about the ages, uh, 26 hits on the month, seven doubles, four home runs, 15 RBIs, 289 bang average, 350 OBP, 500 slugging percentage, 850 OPS. Not bad. Let me write down his name so that way I don't forget to include him. All right. Next player, I can go outfield or I can go starting pitcher. Let's save the outfielder. Nope, I was going to say starting pitcher, but now that I say it, I might as well save the outfielder for last and go with a starting pitcher. Now, this is very interesting about who I could go with because on the September All-Stars, they have Frankie Montez, and I might be selecting him in a minute, but real quickly, I want to look at one guy um, just to see his stats on the month of September and see if it's even worth taking him.
1: Tom is currently looking at Jordan Montgomery, ace of the New York Yankees. Uh, no, I would never look at Jordan Montgomery's baseball reference page. <laughs>
0: um, unless I was, you wanted to cry. Yeah, unless I wanted to cry. I was looking at Robbie Ray's, um, but I don't think his numbers are going to be as good as Frankie Montas. So I'm just going to go with Frankie Montas because I don't feel like doing a whole lot of research for this. Um, 3-0 over the month of September. two nineteen ERA in six games started. 37 innings pitched. He gave up nine earned runs, walked fifteen, struck out forty. Good month of September for Frankie Montas. Not good for the month of, or not a good September for the month of the Oakland Athletics. And then last, but certainly not least, I've got my outfielder. And if I could pull up his numbers real quickly, then I will select him. Um, I was thinking Aaron Judge, but looking at his numbers, he um, doesn't have nearly as good of a uh, September then the um again the guy I feel like doing zero research for I'm just going to pick Lordy's Guriel Jr. There we go. We're going to go with another Toronto Blue Jay over the month of September/October. slash Um six doubles, two triples, seven home runs, 30 RBIs, very very intriguing, driving in a lot of people. Uh slash line I'll just go through it batting average through OPS. 315, 374, 663. Oh one oh, f- me. A th- 1,037 OPS. I know I said that wrong, but um, maybe I'll learn how to say OPS correctly. One day, Tony, you've got two players left. Go through them.
1: All right, so the two vacant positions I still have are catcher and second base, and I've got some spicy hot takes for both of them, even though they're not too, too hot. Let's get it underway. Catcher, I'm actually going to go with the guy that Tom trashed for being on MLB's Team of the Month, and that's Salvador Perez which, yeah, he didn't have the greatest month of September ever. It wasn't his August. And MLB, uh, excuse me, MLB.com did list Yasmani Grandal as having a better September, which is true. The other catcher they had is Elias Diaz of the Colorado Rockies. But I think Salvi had a much better month of September than Diaz did. Just looking at his numbers briefly, he slashed 284, 311, and 606, good for a... 9.35 OPS. He hit 10 home runs and drove in 27, so much like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He is flying across the base paths, driving a ton of folks in. He already broke Johnny Bench's single-season record for home runs by a catcher, and now he's chasing the Royals' single-season home run record set by Jorge Soler back in 2019. He's tied it already, looking to break it sometime today. We'll see if it happens. I'm taking Salvi as my backstop. And lastly, for my second baseman, I'm also going against the curve of MLB.com, and I'm going to take my shortstop Corey Seager's middle infield battery mate in Trey Turner. Now, I was curious just to see how he was uh, faring ever since coming to the Dodgers for the second half of the season, and he's actually doing pretty damn well. He is slashing 340, 393, and 557, good for a 950 OPS. With 5 home runs, 12 RBI. Uh, good defense, for the most part. Sands that one flub against the Giants uh, from earlier in the month. But one thing that Turner has that not I highlighted for Kyle Tucker as well, is wheels. Unlike Kyle Tucker, Trey Turner has top-level speed. 90, high 90s percentile in terms of speed. And he will steal bases like there's no tomorrow. He stole 6 this month alone. So... Trey Turner, you're going to get the whole package with him. You're going to get the contact, the power, the plus fielding, and the wheels. So Trey Turner will round out my team at second base. And with that, Tom and I's teams of the month for the month of September are complete.
0: Wow, that took a lot longer than I thought it would, Tony, to go through. But you know what? I guess that's just (laughs) the funs of doing a fantasy-style draft. Again, we're going to be posting these graphics On social media, let us know what you think about whose team is better in the month of September. We'd be interested to hear. Maybe we'll even start a little poll on Twitter and Instagram and then go through the results in our next episode, if I remember to uh, uh, include that in the social media posts. At any rate, that's enough about the teams of September for me and Tony. We have playoff predictions to come, but first, I've got a trivia question for Tony. Tony? Now, Tony, I hope you're ready, because I did tell you the degree of difficulty is going up from here, because you have to get three parts correct.
1: Let's do it. I am excited. We'll see how Excellent. long that excitement lasts.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So, I actually mentioned the Mets stat earlier. I don't know if we actually mentioned it in the last episode, um, but oh, no. anyway, <laughs> it's not about the Mets. I'll give you that. Well, it's kind of Mets-related. Uh, with the playoffs coming up, I thought it would be fun to make a playoff-related question. So... Recently, and Tony wanted to put this into um, the episode in another part of the episode, and this is why I told him not to, is because maybe he would do research into this topic. The Mets set an MLB record for the most games spent in first place, 103 games, to only finish with a losing record. Again, that's an MLB record, and that is according to Anthony DeComo on Twitter. Now, I couldn't find the previous record, though, Tony, so I'll spare you that good fortune. Thank God. But it did get me thinking about, quote-unquote, bad playoff teams. So, the Mets obviously aren't going to be a playoff team, but um, they should have been a playoff team based on this record alone. So, which team in what year, by the way, so that's already two parts, which team in what year clinched a spot in the postseason with the worst possible record? And you're also going to have to give me that record, by the way, too. Or, actually, you can if you want to. Uh, I didn't include that in the question. So I guess this is going to be a four-parter because you have to give me the team of the year and the record in which day. <laughs> the worst record for a postseason team. And plus, what was the result in the postseason? What the f***? <laughs> 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 what?
1: <laughs> okay. You know what? Let's let's think. Let's think. Do I get a time frame of any kind? Like, do I get like, all right, it's a recent team or is this like some, <laughs> some dead ball? Yeah, we're like, Babe Ruth probably remembered
0: when this <laughs> no, happened. No, it's not dead ball. It is in the modern era of baseball when they expanded to the wild card. Oh, this is in the wild card era. This okay. well, te- technically not the modern wild card era, but it's when they added the um, wild card to baseball. So it, I'll give you this. It's within the last 20 years.
1: Okay, that narrows it down considerably. That's That's good. I feel like I would have heard of this team. I'm not going to spend too much time deliberating on it, but what am I looking for? I'm looking for the team, the year, the record, and how far they went.
0: Yeah, what did they do in the postseason? Yeah, how far they went. Jesus
1: Christ. Okay, (laughs) well, I'm trying to think of these bad playoff teams that went far. Like, I don't know why, but the first thought I had was the 2011 Cardinals that only won, like, 84 games or something, and they ended up winning the World Series. I, if that's the answer, I'm going to go buy myself a steak dinner because I just rattled off all four of them right away, but I don't think it's them.
0: No, it, like, can it's Can I get not.
1: confirmation? Okay, good.
0: It's not them. <laughs> well,
1: well, not good because that would have been an easy slam dunk answer you, for me. I'll though. give
0: you a hint. You are in the right league. This was a National League team.
1: Oh, good. That narrows it down by 15 teams, but still <laughs> 20 years of 15 teams. Okay playoff teams okay I don't know why I'm thinking of the Braves I don't know why I'm thinking of the oh wait a minute you said it's not the Mets it can't be the Phillies because they have they when they've made the postseason they've only been like you know Jimmy Rollins Ryan Howard type good I'm gonna go wait what did the Mar what was the Marlins record in 2003 my mind's going 70 miles an hour I'm just gonna pick a team and go with it uh mmm I don't remember what the Marlins record was in 2003, but I think they were actually a good team.
0: Obviously, they won the World Series. They were a good team. That's not the team, by the way.
1: It's (laughs) okay. Let's go with, just because I'm going to answer and get this over with, let's pick the... I want to at least make an answer that makes sense. Let's go with... (laughs) The Atlanta Braves... Uh, 2000 and... When did they make the playoffs? When did they make the playoffs? I think they made them in 2008. I... They had no. a
0: very long winning streak of division titles. And, like, playoff appearances in the 2000s. And
1: I was gonna say, I I don't think it lasted till 2008, because that's when the Phillies did it. So, you know what? I'm gonna say the Atlanta Braves of 2004. I'm gonna say they got it because the rest of the NLE sucked. I know the Mets won it in the mid... Uh, 2000s so can't be then Braves of 2004 they won I don't know 81 games and the result is flaming out in the first round because they're Atlanta
0: well you're wrong so this again this is a very good well, yeah. question so, well yeah of course I'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is the 2005 San Diego Padres with an 82 and 80 record <sighs> by me by means of winning the National League West, they were not a wild card team. They won the National League West with an 82-80 and 80 record in 2005. Yeah.
1: I did not even know they made the playoffs <laughs> in the 2000s. Heike well, did
0: not even think he, they made it. Keep in mind, they had that 2007 season when Jake Peavy won the Cy Young. They went pretty—I think they— uh, no, I don't think they made the sticks. Oh, that's right. I think they made the uh, DS they, and they lost to the
1: no, Diamondbacks. No, wasn't that wasn't that the year where they got curb-stumped by the Rockies towards the end of the regular season? Because that was the year the Rockies uh, went to the World Series.
0: Yeah, that was. You are absolutely correct. That was the Rockies' um, year they went to the World Series. At any rate, the postseason finish for the Padres that year, they lost to the Cardinals in the NLDS 3 nothing. What a surprise. And you know what's ironic? You mentioned the Cardinals in 2011. Um, with, I don't know how many wins they actually put up. I'll go on baseball reference real quickly. I, I Just... think it was like
1: 85. It was it was 85 or something like that.
0: Uh, Wow, baseball reference is not loading so well. Oh, Do... please. If I'm right, I will consider that well, moral They victory. had 90 wins in 2011. They had 90 wins.
1: Okay. But no moral victory for were, me this week.
0: But you were on the right path. Because the Cardinals only finished one game better than San Diego the next year in 2006 and they won the World Series that year against Detroit with an 83-79 and regular season record.
1: I think that might have actually been what I was thinking of. I know the Cardinals had, like, two bullshit years in the 21st century where they just won the World Series out of nowhere, (laughs) even though they didn't dominate the league, like, you know, say a 2018 Red Sox
0: would. So Yes, so that is, Uh, again, again, very difficult, but that was meant to stump you because I, I got stomped over the past few weeks, and I really didn't want you to get a trivia question right. So that's, I'll call that my revenge. Maybe I'll make it a little bit <laughs> easier next week.
1: You see, I gave you a nice question this week. Outside of Joey Cora, <laughs> all you had to do was say Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> and yeah, I just feel so betrayed.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, Vay. All right. Now, you may not notice it because it's a podcast and we edited it. But we just fast forward. We just fast forwarded it. Fast fast forward, I don't know how grammar works, Tony. We just (laughs) advanced in time. Let's go with that. There you go. About two two or three hours since we last picked off. So that way, we exactly knew who's going to be in the playoffs and who's not going to be in the playoffs, unlike how we did when we began the episode and ended our recording. Well, we've got some good news for us, a little (laughs) bit of bad news, and a little bit of disappointment for the casual baseball fan. Tony, what just happened in the past two or three hours since we've hit stop on the recording?
1: All right, so because Tom and I are time lords and we are able to now see what the playoff picture will fully look like, the New York Yankees succeeded in walking off into the postseason with an Aaron Judge infield base hit up the middle to beat the Tampa Bay Rays one to nothing. Actually, a very impressive display from the Yankees pitching today. And the Red Sox actually managed to climb out of a, I believe the biggest deficit they were in today was four. They had a four-run deficit to make up. They did so in spades with Rafael Devers hitting the go-ahead home run in the ninth. Your two AL wildcard teams will be the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. So unfortunately for, like you said, Tom, the common baseball fans who were hoping for you know, some chaos with tiebreakers and teams like the Mariners or Blue Jays who don't frequent the postseason as much as the Yankees and Red Sox do getting in, that unfortunately will have to wait till next year, as this year it will be the Yankees and Red Sox squaring off at Fenway Park.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think this is for baseball a more, definitely the most marketable game you could have gotten out of any of the matchups. Not saying that marketability has anything to do with actual postseason like, runs and how special things are. Obviously, the Blue Jays and the Mariners, you guys played a hell of a season. Especially, I got to give props to Jared Kalenick and the Mariners. They rallied the fans to, I was going to call it Safeco Field, but it's not called Safeco Field anymore. I think it's called, like, T-Mobile Park or whatever the f*** it is. Um, Out in Seattle, they rallied them there. The most excitement the franchise has probably felt in the past 10 years alone just took place um, over... The uh, past couple of weeks, probably the past month, honestly, because they've had such a good month. And then the Blue Jays again had a great September. Um, ultimately, just felt a little bit short. But you know what? They're probably going to be a contender next year for the division. But you know what? That's something to talk about once the offseason begins and when the offseason ends. But good riddance to you guys. And I mean, we, and now we've got the Yankees and the Red Sox over on the National League side. Um, It'll be the Giants who won the NL West because they spanked the Padres to end their season, and then the Dodgers won. But uh, because the Giants won, they will get the NL Wild Card in a still going to be exciting um, NL Wild game against the St. Louis Cardinals in Los Angeles. So one game in Boston, one game in St. Uh, not St. Louis in uh, LA. It's going to be interesting to see, and you know what? I think it's time to kind of predict just our general thoughts, give some quick hits, because we've been recording for over two hours today. Let's just give some quick hits of what's going to happen. Tony, I will let you have the con to start.
1: All right, so let's pick up in the American League wild card, which is where the eyes of the baseball world have been laying since the sun came up this morning. So when you look at the Yankees and you look at the Red Sox, the Yankees have not fared well against ALE's teams all year, this is just a fact, but they've experienced some luck as of late. When you exclude the Rays, they took two of three from the Blue Jays, they swept the Red Sox in Fenway, mind you, and the Red Sox themselves kinda scuttled a bit towards the finish line. They did what they needed to do, they made it to the, to the postseason, but I think if you look purely at momentum here against specific opponents, because the Yankees can't beat the Rays, Regardless of whether whatever I say about this wild card race, I feel like whoever wins this is losing to the Rays. I think if we're looking at momentum, it might be in the Yankees' favor a little bit. They're going to have Garrett Cole on full rest going. No matter who the Red Sox throw out there, they're going to be outmatched. You know Cole is going to come into this game breathing fire off the mound, and if the offense could even pick him up a little bit for just one game, I think the Yankees might have this.
0: I'm gonna echo the same sentiments that you have going into uh, Boston on Tuesday night's game. By the way, that's Tuesday. The NL Wildcard will be Wednesday. If we didn't say that already, again, haven't paid attention. Um, yeah, the Yankees have the momentum. They have the. They don't have the recent momentum because they just lost two to Tampa. They did have the fuel to the fire. Add that. Add the fuel to the fire when they just walked it off against Tampa Bay. Uh, The Boston Red Sox had some uh, rally in their bones today, but they've been playing an easier opponent the past six games. Granted, they've lost two of those games to uh, Baltimore. They just got done playing the Nationals. They're going to have to go up and play the Yankees on short rest. And guess what? They're not going to have Chris Sale to pitch either, who's just coming back. He might not be doing great this year, but he's still your best pitcher. He gets paid the money to get the Um, get yourself out of these situations. I don't know who exactly they're going to throw yet. I do know the Yankees will be throwing Garrett Cole, and now he's been streaky as of late. But again, he gets paid the big bucks to thrive in these situations. Ultimately, I think he will hopefully find out or figure it all out and go at least five innings, and hopefully Aaron Boone won't the bed in uh, making Mm -hmm. bullpen decisions in Boston tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, on Tuesday. So yeah, I'm going to take right. the Yankees over the I'm going to take the Yankees over Boston in the wild card game. Again, I just think they have a little bit more momentum than the Red Sox right now, and recency bias would tell me the Yankees are better than the Red Sox based on how they've just played in Fenway Park.
1: Totally unbiased opinions coming from two Yankee fans, but <laughs> yeah, I'm trying and, I'm
0: trying not to be that biased. That's the thing though. I I'm I'm, I'm saying that mostly that's as a my joke. General thoughts. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. But no, that's my honest thought.
1: Trust me, I think Tom and I are going to be on the exact same page when it comes to the ALDS, so just you wait. I'm going to jump over next to the National League wildcard, just going to inch in league by league. Call me crazy, Tom. I think this is going to be closer than a lot of people think. I The Dodgers are the better team on paper, in literally every single facet. There is not one single shortcoming that that team has, but there's one thing that they have that St. Louis doesn't, Tom, and that's devil magic. As I made explicitly clear, and I believe it was last week's show, the Cardinals do this do this kind of crap every year. They act like a mediocre 500-ish baseball club until around late August, where they pull some pixie dust out of their ass and become the best team in baseball. They steamroll past their first opponent, only to lay over and die to their second one. See 2019, yeah. where they killed the Braves, but then laid over and died to the, the Washington Nationals of all teams.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the Cardinals, like, sacrificed a goat to the baseball gods or something like that, but they've made, that 17-game winning streak, I think they've gone like 2-2, two two including that game that ended it. But they always seem to pull wins out of their ass.
1: And especially in a one-game do-or-die, when you're going to have Adam Wainwright on the mound, I, I know the Dodgers threw out uh, Walker Buehler out today, so you're going to imagine they're going to put Max Scherzer on the bump for uh, Wednesday... That's when the National League Wild Card will um, will take place. And Tom, every single analytic you could look at says the Dodgers. But I don't know if it's that open and shut. Like for for simplicity's sake, I'm gonna say this: I think the Dodgers will win. But if they lose, if the Dodgers win a hundred and six games in the regular season and then lose to the what ninety one win Cardinals in the Wild Card game, we will get oh, the Dodgers themselves might be a deep drive to left because that will be the hardest we've laughed at them since Howie Kendrick marched them out of their own building back in 2019 in the National League Divisional Series.
0: Yeah, I think if the Dodgers do end up losing to this, we're going to have to um, probably check in on our friend Nicolette and make sure she hasn't like drunk herself into like, <laughs> a terrible mood Like every day. Huge Dodger fan, by the way. Uh, again, thank you for all the graphical help with our graphics this year, <laughs> Nicolette.
1: Um, thank, thank you for the graphical help, but we're going to bring you on to talk about how your team hit the bet against the Cardinals in the wildcard game. Come on, come on down.
0: <laughs> exactly. But, Tony, I think we're on the same wavelength here. It's going to be—this one, I think, is more of a toss-up than the Yankees in Boston. I think with the Yankees in Boston, it'll be close, but I think it'll be like a two- or three-run difference. I think this is going to be a one-run difference. And I'm—now, call me crazy, but I'm going to put the Cardinals— I'm going to give them the win here, and I'm just probably mainly doing it for entertainment sake of the podcast, but here's the thing. I trust Max Scherzer on the mound if he's going on the mound Wednesday night, Um, but you also have Waino. He's been in the situation as well. They both have good playoff experience, invaluable playoff experience. Here's the thing. I think the Dodgers are going to be without one of their biggest backs max muncie he just hurt himself in the finale i think he collided with somebody at first base or i don't know what it is but dave roberts is telling us his timeline now is going to be shady even through the divisional series if they make it that far so that's going to help hurt the dodgers what's also going to hurt the dodgers if they do make the divisional series is they won't have clayton kershaw on the team probably for the postseason because he's got elbow issues might need surgery uh that could be for the best because clayton doesn't have the greatest playoff resume um but (laughs) Yeah, the Cardinals, I'm going to give the win to the Cardinals. It, I, I'm, just do, I'm just doing it just to play devil's advocate. And because I know and everybody wants San Francisco and L.A. to play, I never usually get what I want half the time when it comes to playoff <laughs> matchups. So I, I already know it's not going to go my way. I'm going to put the Cardinals into the NLDS
1: you know what? I can't even be, like, I, I'm i not going to call you a clown for that. I could totally see that coming about because it's the Cardinals, and that's a good point about Muncie, too. I think it was something with his elbow, so we'll see. I honestly think these are going to be two great wildcard games, and those are our predictions uh, for those series. Now let's move on to the divisional round. Let's jump back to the American League, and let's just get this one out of the way, Tom. Rays over Yankees, right?
0: Yep, next. Ne- <laughs> I, next? Listen, I, I, listen, I don't even—I would love to spend more time on this, but come on. The, the Yankees I... and the Rays, it's just the Yankees have done so terribly against the Rays over the past couple of years. I don't know what the mm. hell it is. I don't know if the Rays sacrificed a goat to the baseball gods like the Cardinals have, but they just get outmatched by a team that no one would ever put on top of. Of that New York pedigree, I'm trying to pull up their record, like year by year, this year um, of how they stack up against the Rays. I know it's definitely not in the Yankees' favor. Oh, I could pull but, that
1: um, up actually. The Yankees have definitely yeah. lost more against the uh, against the Rays. They've just, like I said earlier, they've been abysmal against the entirety of the AL East, which is what cost them the yes home field advantage at the very end. So against Tampa Bay, they are seven and eleven. That's good for a three eighty nine winning percentage. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> they have scored. I think you're looking at the same number I am. <laughs> they scored 49 runs and allowed 98. Are you
0: kidding <laughs> me? Okay, next. We already know who's winning that series. I don't give a <laughs> about the Yankees. I'm a fan of them. What? Nope. <laughs> See ya.
1: Rays win. Nope. Next, Astros White Sox. This one is actually like, high key. This is the divisional series I'm most ant- I'm most looking forward to. It's either this or uh, potentially Dodgers-Giants, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So, we have White Sox, and we have the Astros. Tom, I want to hear your thoughts first on this one.
0: See, I think this will be an interesting matchup, but for some reason in my mind— Now, listen, I projected that the Yankees or the White Sox would go to the CS, and one of them would go to the World Series— this year, I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think either team is going to make the CS. And I really hate talking good about the Astros. But I just think the Astros have probably been the one of the better team, uh, the second best team on paper against um, American League teams this year. If you look at the White Sox record, I'm pretty sure, against teams other than... Uh, I can't... Oh my God, sentences are really difficult. Let, let me just go on baseball reference real quickly. I'm and, already uh, there. Figure out what I, figure out what I want to say, Tony. But I don't think they have a good record against um any really good team this year. You gotta keep in mind they're playing in the AL Central. I I think this is gonna be a wash, honestly. And I hate to say it, but I think Houston had I'm just gonna say it, I think Houston has the White Sox number here. Um, I'll I'll try and find whatever I was gonna say. But Tony, I think you're gonna have much more of an intelligent decision than I have had.
1: Now, I will say that that's actually something I didn't consider, because when I think, you think of like the NL, or excuse me, you think of like the Central Division curse, like, remember last year when no Central teams made it out of that qualifying round? When the Indians pitching staff ate through other teams like nothing, only to roll over and die to a Yankees team that had no right playing as good as it did? The way I don't look at the White Sox in the same vein as I do the Indians, I'm not gonna lie. There's something, uh, there's something different about that White Sox team. It does have its flaw. It does have its flaws. Outside of Liam Hendricks, the bullpen is a little suspect. Craig Kimbrell's not been himself ever since he went Southside. And up and down the lineup is great, but you compare it to the Astros, they're probably the only other lineup in the American League that's as stacked as the White Sox. I mean, I talk the hell up of Kyle Tucker. He's their sixth hitter White Sox have a great lineup, but they don't have Kyle Tucker batting sixth with five or six capable batters above him. Yeah. So I think it's going to be closer than you're saying because I don't see the White Sox as, oh, they're just a central team. They got to play the Royals 17 million times a year. They, they've been all right against teams not in their division, although granted, they went one for five against the Yankees. I don't know how you do that. But nevertheless... I'm going to go a little bold. It Partially, like you said earlier, to play devil's advocate, and partially because I want to see this team succeed because I think they're fun to watch and I don't like the Astros, I'm going to say the White Sox squeak it out. It's not going to be easy, just one and done, three-game sweep. Astros are not going down that easily. If, if anything, it's something about the Astros pitching. I don't know if I could quantify it, but Zach Granke just came off the I.L., Some of your depth guys were pitching all right. You know, Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, they're okay. Jose uh, Urquidy's not bad. I worry about that bullpen a little bit, and outside of those three starters, I worry about them. If Chicago's hitters can get to them, great. If not, then Giolito, Lynn, and Rodon better match them pitch for pitch, because I honestly like the White Sox starters infinitely better, and both bullpens I see relatively equal, sans Liam Hendricks. He is that crux for them. So I truly think, I, honestly, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. It's another, another chapter in the book of me laughing at AL and NL Central teams. But I like the White Sox build. I'm going to say they make it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if the Astros, especially with their expansive postseason history as of late, can roll past them.
0: Yeah, the Ashers just have the best offense in the league too. You gotta consider that. And I listen, their Ashers bullpen, I think it's mainly right hand centric. I've talked about it in the past and it's like, well, this is nothing. They've gutted it out in the past couple of postseasons to where they've become very serviceable and they get the job done because they manage their games pretty well. Dusty Baker has done a good job kind of, um, managing that bullpen um what i was gonna say is chicago is two and five this year against houston so that doesn't go in their favor um but an even more interesting stat chicago they're only they're 40 and 41 on the road and this is a team that won 93 games keep you in mind they're not good on the road they have to start out in houston and houston is very good at home they're 51 and 30 chicago is also 27 and 29 against teams greater than 500 Houston 45 and 32. The numbers will tell you that Houston is infinitely better. Well, not infinitely, but very much better than Chicago in this series. So I'm just going it I'm just basing this on a matchup stick. I want the White Sox to win. I want them to shh on the Astros. <laughs> Spank them so hard that they get embarrassed and they ship off all, all their players in the free agency. They just gut the entire franchise. But that's not going to happen. The Astros, I think, will win over the White Sox. Um, it will be the most intriguing matchup. You're right. Um, if the Dodgers and Giants are not that matchup, or if they are that matchup. All
1: right, all right. Definitely a close series. I think we both get that from um, our two preferences. But let's jump back to the National League. I want to talk about the Braves and the Brewers because yes, my ta- uh, nice voice crack Tony. My perception of this series. It's not as close as White Sox Astros in my eyes, and that's literally just because of the three seed in Atlanta. Tom, I I I don't know if you share the same sentiment, but I don't know if I could trust the Braves anymore. Not after last year.
0: Yeah, they had to squeak it out against the um they had to squeak it out in September just to win the division because they came so close to the Phillies. I think they are playing better of late, so that benefits them. And Milwaukee, I think, has kind of been like almost on a win-loss, win-loss thing. I'm going to take a look at the standings just to make sure I'm not sounding like a complete another fool.
1: Milwaukee um, actually just got swept by the Dodgers. They are 0-3 in October so far, but obviously yeah, those that, games don't matter.
0: They, ha- they have a four-game losing streak. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10. Atlanta's 8-2 coming into the postseason in their last 10. So I think that's a very good point to make in Atlanta's favor. Here's the thing, though. Atlanta, I think, has the rotation to get it done. I mentioned earlier in the show Ian Anderson, Charlie Morton, and Max Fried. I think that's a very good rotation, although you're stacking up against a Brewers rotation that has guys who have been playing better than all three of them in three different positions. You've got Corbin Burns. you got Brandon Woodruff. Um, I think Adrian Hauser's on the rotation. Um,
1: Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer. Peralta.
0: Peralta, that's the guy I was forgetting. I think they've been better than those three have all season, so I mean, I think the pitching advantage is definitely in Milwaukee's favor, including the bullpen, which I don't think Atlanta has a very good one. That's, of course, me not looking at baseball reference, but I can already tell you it's probably not that good. <laughs> um, Yeah, I want—I'm going to put the Brewers ahead. I have said it since the beginning of the show. I think they are a World Series contender. Keep that in mind when we get to the NLCS discussion of whether or not I keep that same sentiment, but I think they this team has a very— good shot to go far in October
1: so I'm gonna echo your sentiment I'm gonna say the Brewers as well but here's the key here their rotation on paper is light years better but Atlanta has the hot hand their bullpen light years better you have well you don't have Devin Williams but we're gonna talk about that later you have Josh Hader Brad Boxberger Brent Suter all have been suitable useful Hunter Strickland all year long and you look at the Braves they just have Will Smith Will Smith who's collected 30 saves but 30 very hairy saves and not much out of him if the Brewers pitching can lock down that offense that's been red hot as of late, then yeah, I don't think they should have any problem getting past them. I like Atlanta's offense, but if they can't get anything done about that three-headed monster of Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, no can do. No can do. The Brewers have been shutting down powerful, potent offenses all year. Sands this three-game series against the Dodgers. They've actually matched well with them in the past two. I think the ball is squarely in Milwaukee's favor. I think they move on.
0: Yes, so we agree there. Now we don't agree about who's going to be playing in the NLDS, but I'm interested to hear if you think the Dodgers or the Giants will squeak it out while I prepare my thoughts on the Cardinals and Giants because, again, we have the differing opinions there. Tony, I'll let you take the reins. How are you feeling about Dodgers-Giants? Because I think there's a team with a clear advantage right now, just based on injuries alone. Although to be fair, um, both do have injuries, especially at the first base position.
1: Yep, I was actually about to bring that up. The Giants will be without Brandon Belt for the foreseeable future, and the Dodgers without Max Muncy for the foreseeable future. Uh, Muncy's very hot and cold. I believe he was running a bit cold when he got hurt. Brandon Belt has been, you know, the de facto captain of the Giants for the past month or so now. It's gonna suck without him. But you look at how these two teams match up, The it's very close. It's very close. In the regular season, the Giants are edging them by one game. It's 10 games to nine in the Giants' favor. They're actually being outscored, though, 78 to 80, although two runs is a negligible difference, uh, but not in an NLDS, obviously. It's really hard. You look at this team and you think, oh, great, fantastic series for the ages. I think that's exactly, uh, exactly what we're going to get. I think we're going to see close games. I think we could see a blowout here or there. By whom? I don't know. But I want to say the Dodgers. The Dodgers are riding a high streak as of late. You know, guys like Trey Turner are going off. Corey Seager could win player of the month. You've got Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer pitching out of their minds. Even though you lost Clayton Kershaw, that's going to hurt. But the Giants have just never backed down. I am gonna be honest, Tom. The more I look at this Giants roster, because I have them pulled up on uh, Baseball Reference right now, the more I'm privy to them. I wanted to say the Dodgers just to have the safe bet, but I let's be honest, I I don't think there's really a safe bet here. It's either one juggernaut or another.
0: It's- yeah, I'm I'm just lo- I'm just looking. I mean, the veteran. This is a veteran team that nobody expected to go far. Let's just say that at the beginning of the season, I'm looking at this pitching for the Giants because I have it pulled up too. It is a lot better than I thought it was. You got Kevin Gossman leading the rotation. Anthony Di Scalfini behind him. <laughs> By the way, Gossman has a 281 ERA, 227 strikeouts, pitching like a fing Cy Young. D.S.Calfini, name he's 13 and 7. He's got a three seventeen he's got a 317 ERA to sport um, his 13 and seven record. Uh, so I like that. Um, 152 strikeouts. Logan Webb. I was whacking the f out of the ball. In MLB, the show to earlier in the year. This 24 year old is 10 and 3 this year. He's got 293 ERA. Alex Wood, he's been pretty streaky throughout his career. He's got 383 ERA. I think it's expected of him. This bullpen, though, Tony, golly, this has got to be one of the best bullpens in baseball. Not a lot of big names. I mean, Tyler Rogers is probably the biggest just because of how much I see him on Pitching Ninja. And Jake McGee has had big moments too, but
1: wow. I. Even you look beyond that, they're inning-eaters like Zach Little, I it might be Lytel, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I think wrong. it's Lytel. Lytel, Jose Alvarez, Harlan Garcia. I, like you said, Tom, these are not household names, but you look at their ERAs, you look at their ERA pluses, nobody in their bullpen has an ERA plus below 140. Like, like And their ace to go into the year was Johnny Cueto. Well, Johnny Cueto, or Kevin Gossman, the way you look at it, Johnny Cueto is their fifth-string starter now. And he's not bad, per se, but you look at the other pieces of that rotation, and he's honestly, like, you look at the other pieces of that rotation, and you realize why the Giants won 107 games. Franchise record, by the way. Franchise record, 107 games. 107 wins, pardon me.
0: Yeah, round round of applause. Round of applause for them.
1: You know what? I'm going to be honest. Outside of some of the big boppers in their lineup, like the Dodgers, or excuse me, the Giants don't have, you know, a Trey Turner... A Mookie Betts, a Corey Seeger. I I might give the edge to the Giants. I'm not gonna I never thought I'd say that, but you even brought this up during Around the Horn earlier today. The Dodgers are like, I don't remember the exact number, like 46 and 27 in the second half, but they haven't gained a single game on the Giants because no matter how many steps the Dodgers think they could take, Big Brother up up north near the bay is two steps ahead of them. I feel like that trend is honestly going to continue into the postseason because the Dodgers have all the armaments meant to make it to the World Series, but they have to get past the immovable object of Major League Baseball this year. I'm putting my money on the Giants.
0: Yeah, in your case, the Dodgers are the Titanic, but the Giants are just that huge iceberg that's going to sink the Dodgers. Um, in my case, I don't. I don't think the Cardinals are necessarily the Titanic. Um, but the giants are still that iceberg. The giants by the way have a 21 and 6 record in September. I just want to put oh, that out there. 20 God. 21 and 6. The Cardinals are 22 and 7. So they're on the same wavelength. But what I wanted to say about the Cardinals. The Cardinals have actually gone 4 and 2 against San Francisco this year, although San Francisco has outscored them by 2 runs, 22 to 20. I'm ju- I just looked at the pitching for San Francisco. I don't even need to look at the pitching for Cardinals. I'm already going to put San Francisco ahead of the Cardinals. Because even though both teams have been extraordinarily hot, they're both on the same wavelength. And I think the Giants just have the— I don't even want to say the hotter hand, because the Cardinals have been just as good, if not better. But one-run games, the Giants, they're 31-17. The Cardinals are 26-18. So the Giants have the better— winning percentage if it gets that hairy which i don't think it will i think the giants honestly will probably do a lot of damage against the cardinals i'm predicting it's not going to be that close if the cardinals do move on um so yeah i don't need mainly because i want to get the segment rolling um i am yeah. gonna put the giants in the nlcs too so that is we're on All the right. same wavelength there. So. Just to recap, me and Tony both have the CS of the Tampa Bay Rays. Did you put the White Sox in the CS? I think you I, did.
1: I actually put the White Sox. That's the only thing we've disagreed upon like this far into it. We disagreed earlier. but We well, RC-
0: disagreed on the Card- Cardinals and Giants, but you did mm-hmm. put the White Sox there. So you do have Tampa in Chicago. I have Tampa in Houston. Uh, go on, Tony.
1: That's, that's literally all I was going to say was I was going to recap them. Uh, but we both have San Francisco and Milwaukee going to the championship series of the National League this year. Which, speaking of which, you know what? While we're on the topic of San Francisco, let's just bang out the NLCS. Let's keep this rolling, like you said. Oh, yeah! Because oh boy, I think the Giants—the Giants have the only pitching rotation in baseball that could stand up to the Brewers. I—I mm-hmm. I mean that. The Dodgers have a great pitching rotation, but especially without the services of Clayton Kershaw. And with Walker Buehler, not necessarily in a slump, but just not looking like Walker Buehler past couple games, I gotta give the advantage to the Brewers. The only other team I can't say that for definitively is the Giants. And the one thing that the Giants definitively have over the Brewers, that actually a lot of teams in this postseason have over the Brewers, is hitting. That's always been the Brewers' Achilles heel all year. They've been without the services of prime Yelich or sadly enough, even above replacement Yelich. And honestly, I don't know if they can get through to the Giants' pitching. They haven't played much in the regular season. Uh, Milwaukee actually has the upper hand; it's four to three uh, in their favor. They outscore San Francisco think, too, but I don't yeah, know. I, I think
0: it's I think it's been pretty close games too, if I'm not mistaken. But I I'm not going to pull up the numbers on that. But, um.
1: Yeah, the, it's just a a plus two run differential for the Brewers, so they're very close games. Gotcha. So I'm going to be honest. I really want to say the Brewers. Because they're just, to me, a fun team to watch, especially as a guy who likes good pitching. And I like a lot of their hitters. You know, they're more under-the-radar guys like Willie Adamas, you know, Avisail Garcia in the works. But if you ask me, the top tier of baseball is Dodgers-Giants. The Brewers are in that next tier below. The Giants, to me, strike me as a Brewers team right now, but fully realized. The Brewers are a great team, but they have weaknesses, like that hitting core. The Dodgers, uh, the Giants have never had that problem all year. And unless it stalls out when it when it is most necessary, which is obviously always going to be a factor in October, I'm going to play... I'm going to go with the numbers on this one and say the Giants. I really want to say the Brewers because I love watching them, but honestly, t- like, I, I kind of like what I said of they're the Giants. I really can't talk today. They're the Brewers fully realized. They both have great pitchers, under the radar, un- unloved hitters, But they get the job done.
0: Yeah, you know what, Tony? I think you're absolutely right. I think the Giants are the Brewers on steroids because they've got, they're just better, a little bit better in every regard, except the rotation. I'm actually going to give the Brewers that. Uh, The bullpen, eh, without Devin Williams, I think you're going to have to give the advantage to San Francisco. But here's the thing I think the Brewers are my team that I'm going to be rooting for this postseason, besides the Yankees. For some reason, I, and I always like going out of the box with, like, winners and stuff like that, um, unless it's, like, deathly obvious. You know what? As much as the Giants are the better version of the Brewers, and I'm probably going to regret saying this, I'm going to put the Brewers in the World Series. And I'm not even doing that for entertainment factor. I'm just doing it because, fuck you, that's why. <laughs>
1: I mean, hey, if the Brewers make the big dance, I'm going to be honest. Like, you said you're rooting for the Brewers outside of the Yankees. They've kind of been that secondary team that I root for since 2018 or 2019 when they bounced the Cubs out in like 163rd game or something. So I wouldn't mind that. I'm just going to go with the hotter hand and the better uh, hitting on paper and say the Giants. So we got two different National League champions going to the World Series. Tom, let's bounce over to the American League. I want to hear your argument for Ray's... A rematch of the ALCS last year, actually. Rays-Astros.
0: All right, so I was just praising the Astros hitting not too long ago. Well, guess what? That got shut down by Tampa Bay in the postseason last year. Granted, Houston nearly did a Red Sox-Yankees in 2004 type thing, and I would have lost my mind if that happened. Ultimately, the Rays won that. I think the Rays are a better team on paper this year than they were last year. Not necessarily a Houston. I think if you stack the two teams up, you got to contribute Houston's offense and say their leaps and bounds better. But here's the thing. Tampa Bay's pitching is just so lethal for whatever reason. Whatever they feed their pitchers in Tampa Bay, one of the worst sports markets in America. I, I, I don't know what it is. I, first of all, I'm, I just wanted to point that out because why not? And this is a podcast so far. <laughs> um, I'm just throwing shade out there because it's uh, 8.15 on a Sunday night and I've got nothing better to do <laughs> but uh, yeah I'm not a Tampa Bay fan um, as you can tell but here's the thing I'm putting them to the World Series I just think their pitching just shuts down every bat that comes their way for whatever reason that's just the case even though analytics will tell you that's shouldn't how it's not how it should be but for some reason that's just always how it goes. I'm I'm gonna I have to put Tampa Bay in the World Series. Also because I really don't want Houston to go.
1: You know what? Tom, while you were talking, I was, you know, I was doing my own research about I don't wanna say I was wanting to say the White Sox going into this because I wanted to say whoever looks the most likely on paper. But just after digging into some more Tampa Bay numbers on baseball reference, you know, you mentioned the White Sox road record. It's actually sub-500, and for a division winner, that's kind of sad. The Rays have almost lapped them. They have a 600 winning percentage on the road, and obviously a great record at home. But (sighs) I want to say the White Sox. I so, oh so badly want to say the White Sox, just to be able to say, ha ha, Tampa Bay can't go back to the big dance, they they peaked last year, they're going to stumble and fall this month. Dude, I don't think I could say that. Because as much as I like watching the White Sox, as much as I like seeing, you know, Eloy Jimenez or Luis Robert hit bombs or Carlos Rodon or Lance Lynn absolutely stymieing hitters, I the Tampa Bay Rays are just a well-oiled machine. They, I Trust me, I, I hate them too as a fan of a division rival, but it seems like no matter what you throw at them, no matter what you try, they will adapt. The, the, the Rays are the T-1000 of baseball. No matter how you build your team to combat them, they will adapt and they will overcome. I really want, like, honestly, Tom, my ideal World Series is White Sox Brewers. I just think that'd be fun to watch just based on the teams that I like to see. But in terms of what I'm looking at, in terms of the numbers I'm seeing on the screen, I I just think Tampa Bay, San Francisco is the most likely scenario. And I know that's boring, just the top team in each division, but hey, they're, they're the top teams for a reason. I'm going Tampa Bay also, for my AL champion.
0: Yeah, I hate that we have to put Tampa Bay as the AL champion. By the way, I just did a little digging into their head-to-head series this year. Houston has the 4-2 advantage, by the way. And Houston has scored three more <laughs> runs than Tampa Bay in their series. So that'll be interesting to see if that even plays a factor into it. Also, Houston has a technically better record against um, teams that are over 500. Uh I just had it pulled up. Here it is. Um, They're forty five and thirty two, as I mentioned earlier. Tampa Bay's only forty eight and forty two, but do the math, Tampa Bay's played more teams against teams over five has played more games against teams over five hundred. Again, grammar is very hard for me today. So it's gonna be a toss up, honestly. I it's either Houston's offense is somehow gonna overwhelm Tampa Bay's pitching, and we're not even throwing in the factor that Randy Fucking Rosarena could go and do Randy Fucking Rosarena (laughs) shit again in the postseason. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. It's going to be a toss-up between Houston and Tampa. So let's start with you. Let's see what you think, Giants or Tampa.
1: Now this, to me, is the ultimate, like, this this is the ultimate unstoppable force meets immovable object. Although, considering how both teams play, it's more immovable object versus immovable object. And it's really just what's going to give first, because I feel like the giant. If there, if I were to pick an Achilles heel for each team, like that could come up, because both of these factors have been great all year, but it's either Tampa Bay pitching is going to fall suspect to San Francisco's hitting, or San Francisco's hitting won't be able to get anything mustered, A without Brandon Belt, and B against Tampa's almost Swiss Army pitching staff. In this regard, obviously you can't just bank on something to fail. You have to anticipate, all right, they're going to go in this with at, at top strength. It's literally just going to be a grudge match of who comes out on top. And in which case, if that's actually if that actually turns out to, bleh, turns out to be the case, this could be one of the most fun world series we've seen in a while. These are both great teams. They're both great at wearing down their opponent. They're both really good at getting runs on the board to outpace their opponent. These are baseball teams good at literally every facet of the game. And, I mean, that's why they're the two one-seeds in each league. That all being said, call me crazy, I might be giving the advantage to the Giants again. And, like, note how every time I've said, yeah, maybe the Giants, I've almost been a bit unsure. That's how we've been talking about the Giants all year. Like, oh, are they exposed after they lose, like, three games in a row? Oh, They have a worse record at home than the Dodgers do, Are the Dodgers set to retake the NL, uh, NL West crown, but they never do. The Giants just always find a way. I don't know how, I don't know why. Well, I do know why they want to win a World Series, but I don't know how they do it. They just continue to do it. And if I were to pick a team whose resolve is stronger down the stretch and appears to be the most unbreakable, I'd say in the entire postseason, it'd be the Giants. They're the team that's proved us wrong, time and time again throughout the year. And though it may seem unlikely, this entire goddamn giant season is unlikely. <laughs> I'm gonna say they go the whole. I'm gonna say they go the whole nine yards and win the whole damn thing.
0: Boy, I wish I could say that about the New York Giants, but that ain't gonna happen anytime soon. <laughs> um, yeah, look, yeah. Looking up at your looking at your matchup, I would have to agree with you. I would put I would put the Giants over. Tampa Bay. Now we got to look at my matchup, and I think the MLB would pro. I th- I think they would be in a tizzy if <laughs> this matchup happened, and they they would probably like be drinking themselves to death every night, just like Rob Manfred sounded like he was drunk to death when he tried to give out the uh, World Series trophy last year to the Dodgers. Um, he said it was sound issues, but I think it was other things. Just a conspiracy theory, though. At any rate, this is probably the most Unmarketable matchup um, the World Series could possibly have this year. Tampa Bay and Milwaukee. God forbid. That's why the MLB are pushing themselves. Not because there's two great teams going at it or two not-so-good teams, rather, um, but just because of marketing for location. Now, here's the thing. Tampa Bay is, again, the better team on paper. They are what the Brewers are in the National League. And honestly, these two teams are kind of the exact same. They can't really hit that well. But they can pitch really, really well. Um, So I guess pitching wins championships, kids. That's why I'm saying instead of offenses here. Um, Again, I think Tampa Bay, though, they're the much better team on paper. I think they've been hotter down the entire rest of the season. But Milwaukee has just been my team. For whatever reason, I think they overcome every single person that's better on paper than them because I believe in them. And you know what? Believing in somebody... That just, that wins at the end of the day, right? No, not in this case. I got I got Tampa Bay over Milwaukee. You, see, you thought I was going to put Milwaukee to win the World Series. No, I'd, I'd have to put Tampa Bay, unfortunately. <laughs> but I, I would have to put Tampa Bay in this matchup as the uh, World Series winner uh, in this matchup. If,
1: if you had not pulled the rug out from that, I was going to say, Tom, you and I both believed in the Yankees last year. And look where that ended up.
0: Yeah, well, listen, we didn't even think about the Yankees even coming close to the World Series this year. Um, So, yeah, that just goes to show you um, how great the Yankees are.
1: The Yankees didn't even make it that deep in our bracket, and we still somehow ended up talking about them.
0: Yeah, I think we talked the least about the Yankees, surprisingly, when we broke down the playoffs, (laughs) um, which I find surprising. But you know what? That's just how I feel about them this year. They're not worth talking about in the playoffs. They're going to get shit on either by Boston or Tampa Bay.
1: I, I agree. I agree. And you know what? Maybe it'll be different next year. Maybe not. But for the time being, that is Tom and I's way too, or not way too early, but how about just about on time playoff predictions? Maybe we'll post each of our brackets. Maybe not. But nevertheless, now, that- now, now you know who we think is going to win. That's not who we're rooting for. I just said my ideal matchup would be White Sox-Brewers. And Tom, you said yourself, you believe in the Brewers, and that's more than enough to carry them to a chip.
0: Yeah, my ideal matchup would be the Yankees and the Brewers with the Yankees winning, but that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, but nevertheless, that does it for our playoff prediction segment here on episode 5 of the Diamond Duo podcast. We're running a little high on time in this episode. Had a lot to go over, had a lot to go through, but right now it's about time to wrap things up. No closers this week, but we do have... We do have something better for you. Let's roll the clip. I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart. I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for yet another deep drive to left. Nothing to do with Castellanos this week, unfortunately, but... Tom and I have a couple of uh, couple of people we like to throw under a bit of an open fire for differing reasons and Tom why don't you kick things off this week because yours surrounds someone someone who you've actually talked about a couple times during the podcast when a specific team comes to be the topic of conversation why don't you uh, why don't you take it away
0: oh yes and if you know this podcast like you know the back of my hand you already know I'm gonna say Kevin Mather go for yourself um if i even said your name right you don't have enough respect to say it and you know what this would have been a much better deep drive in the left had seattle just even gotten to a game 163 or better yet made the playoffs but guess what seattle fans you have something to rejoice in that your former president and ceo of your franchise had no faith in you guess what this team went 90 and 72 can I repeat again? Kevin Mather, go fuck yourself. Seattle, minus 51 run differential. Great month of September. Five games back of the division title. You know I'm going to say it again. And editor Tom or editor Tony is going to have to censor it yet again. Kevin Mather, go f*** yourself. Just in case you have no context whatsoever about what I'm saying, just remember some of his comments that I'm about to go through at the Rotary Club that he was talking to in the month of february of 2021 had to issue apology about it but we already know he wasn't sorry he was just trying to beg for forgiveness for his jobs to get his job back um just some of the things that he said he was speaking about hisashi iwakuma former mariners pitcher who was hired um as a special assignment coach with the club and um, his need for a translator and his English skills. Just outright saying, wonderful human being. His English was terrible. Like, and he said that like nothing. Like, fucking dickwad. And then he goes on to say the same about Julio Rodriguez, their best prospect, who's going to be one of the faces of baseball pretty soon. He goes on to say, Julio Rodriguez has got a personality bigger than all of you combined. He is loud. His English is not tremendous. What the f- you racist son of a bitch. Your, and your <laughs> fucking Spanish is probably asinine. What were you gonna say?
1: Mind you, I'm pretty sure Julio Rodriguez runs something for, I think, a show for the Mariners social media team. I don't know exactly what it is. And he speaks English fine. Like, he has an accent, yeah. obviously, because he was born in the DR, I believe, but his accent's not unintelligible. Like, Kevin Mather was just making an excuse to make fun of more people's uh, more people's English.
0: Yeah, if you just want to keep punching in the face of Kevin Mather even more, I believe Julio Rodriguez won their minor league player of the year and won some other award in the organization for, like, his communal service or something like that. I'm not sure about the last one. I know he's probably their minor league player of the year, but I know he was honored with something. I just don't know exactly what. Uh, Mather also talked about the team's payroll and the financial bottom line. I'm reading on ESPN right now. Um <laughs> Also, downright admitted to manipulating Major League service time, which no fan is in service, is in favor of. He also talked about Jared Kalenic. Um, They attempted to sign him to a long-term deal, but he believed in his future. He's probably right in the long term, not so much this year. Also, outright said future Mariners Hall of Famer Kyle Seager is overpaid. Well... Kevin, wasn't that your decision if you were the GM at the time? I don't know if you were, but wasn't that your decision, you f***ing idiot? Um, by the way, he has a um, $20 million club option for 2022. He'll probably be denied by the club. This might be his last year in Mariners, uh, teal or green or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Mather's been with the team since 1996. He had to have some decision in the Seeger thing, and he's going to say he's overpaid. That was your partially your decision, possibly, you dim-witted idiot. Also accused of harassment by two former female employees. Those allegations were revealed in 2018 by the Seattle Times. Also was talking about raising parking prices around the area, pretty much saying Seattle was a slum around the stadium and this and that. But those are just some of the major things that Kevin Mather said. And Seattle comes back and just punches him straight in the face 90 times and finished second in the AL West. No one would have predicted it. But guess what? He added fuel to the fire for a team that might have a better decade than the New York Yankees and most of the teams in baseball based on who they've got in their system. Now that I finally got that rant out of my system, and it's been brewing for a whole season now, I was about to call you Kevin Jesus. I'm not Kevin. You're not Kevin Mather. I'm, You're I'm not Kevin much Mather. better than Kevin. You are not Kevin Mather Mather. It doesn't matter. Kevin doesn't matter. Um, neither matter doesn't matter you've got a very interesting story that is going to affect my favorite sweetheart team in the postseason Uh, just tell the unfortunate story
1: you know it's funny how you said that you had your story brewing in you for the past month or so now because this team has to do with the milwaukee brewers and more particularly the reigning rookie of the year national league rookie of the year recipient of 2020 devin williams so, just a tiny bit of backstory, and by tiny bit of backstory, I mean the Brewers won the National League Central uh, very recently. Obvious, right? Yeah, and you know it's their it's their second uh, division title in as many years, and as a team, you're gonna celebrate that. Sh-. You're gonna pop open the champagne. You're gonna draft. Uh, you're gonna draft. You're going to drape the uh, plastic sheeting over the lockers. You're gonna spray each other with champagne. And you're gonna go nuts with your teammates because that's a tremendous achievement. And especially running away with a division in the dominant manner like you have, and becoming the secondary team of both members of the Diamond Duo—that's an impressive achievement. Now, unfortunately, uh, young Devin Williams—and I really do mean young—he was a rookie last year. He's only in his second; he's only in his first ever full season. Obviously, last year being an, a truncated, pandemic-shortened season. He's excited. He is pumped. He is playing in the National League Division Series for the first time in his life. And Williams got a little excited ah, while celebrating. And his instinct in the celebration was to punch a locker. And unfortunately, it broke a bone in his hand. I I don't know if it was his wrist. I forget. I don't think it was his finger or if it was just his hand and just the hand itself. Unfortunately, he broke something something in his hand, which unfortunately, I I don't guess. I guess he never learned it. It was his pitching hand. And he is now ruled out for... The entire postseason. Now, Tom, I want to draw attention to this. How often can you say that there were three instances this year when a player, will not willingly, but by themselves injured a bone in their hand? I can think of two other times this year when that's happened now. The first time was a uh, brave starter, Huascar Yanoa, back in the beginning of the year, after he punched the dugout wall uh, after a bad start. He was pissed at himself, he punched the wall, broke his hand, and was out for like two months after that. I remember everybody saying, oh my god, what an idiot, why would you do that? And then the scales got upped even more when now Marlins starting pitcher, Jesus Lazardo, this one's probably still my favorite, was playing video games. I think slammed his hand on a table or something and broke, it, broke his finger. That I think is still my favorite because it's like, okay, dude, you're a t- you were a top thirty prospect and you're really gonna jeopardize your pitching future because you died in the gulag. Like, I don't know, <laughs> secondhand related injury that led to long term staying on the injured list. Now you've got three, and this one could genuinely cost your team a long term future in October. Which obviously you're not gonna like yell and scream at Devin Williams for this because. Obviously he didn't want to break his hand, he didn't mean to, but you've gotta imagine it's like that's a moment where you just gotta look at it and say, come on, man. You're probably the best setup man in baseball, if not one of them next to like a Tyler Rogers type. And you're gonna do that, you're gonna just make yourself null and unusable for the entirety of October. It's ugh. That, to me, is a deep drive to left because you got to wonder, how do you manage to do that? Like, who celebrates by punching walls anyway? That That's honestly what I want to know.
0: <laughs> See, it's not a deep drive into left, Tony. It's a deep drive into the locker because that's where he thought his hand was going to go. And then he ultimately broke his hand. But, you know, I think that untimely injuries while celebrating or something is a tier list that we're going to have to tackle one day. Just... <laughs> because we got Kendry's Morales fucking tearing his ACL, probably hampering his career a little bit after a walk-off oh, we, home run. We I, had, mean,
1: I think Ricky Henderson got sidelined with uh, Frostbit, uh, Frostbite in August one time. That's a tearless brewing. You know what? I'm going to write that fuck. down.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to write that down, too, when we <laughs> wrap up. I mean, there there are so many injuries that we can think of, like, what the fuck? Like, what, you went to Cespedes, he went to the Old Town Road, and he broke his ankle riding a horse or something like that. <laughs> I think he was Noah chasing a Cindergard. boar. Yeah, Cinder- yeah. Noah Syndergaard or something, again, like, ears, nose, and throat disease or whatever hand the foot, hell it is.
1: Hand, foot, and mouth disease, I remember that. I think Britain, Zach yeah. Britton got it too.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Like, there is a lot of stuff. It's not good when people get hurt, like, it sucks to be them, but... Oh boy, I think that just is going to be a tier list in itself. Even if it's in bad taste. You know what? F*** it. We're, it's okay. We're going to eventually make that. But you know <laughs> uh, But you know what? This show's been running on long enough. We took some deep drives into left. We took a deep drive into a locker. So, oh boy. I mean, we're going to have a lot to edit, a lot to go through and get it released to you all by Tuesday. But Tony... Take it away unless you have any final thoughts that you would like to share.
1: I Trust me, I have no final thoughts other than, oh my god, editing's going to be so fun tomorrow. <laughs> oh, the things we do for you people. I'm just kidding. We love doing this. This is, this is the reason we yes. sit down every Sunday to do this. It's because we genuinely enjoy it and we genuinely appreciate you all listening. Hey, that sounds like an outro. Speaking of which, time to close up shop here on episode 5 of the Diamond Duo podcast. Thank you so much from me and my co-host and co-producer Tom Bauer to all of you lovely ladies and gentlemen who have taken the time out of your day to listen. Please go and follow us on social media, at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter, and The Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram. Be on the lookout for Tom and I's Team of the Month graphic that is going to be popping up on those social media sites sometime soon, sometime later this week. Also be sure to tune in next week for episode six, the first ever post-season edition of the Diamond Duo podcast. We look forward to seeing you there, and we look forward to recording for you next week. So thank you again so much for listening. Have a good night, and enjoy some October baseball.